We are live. Hello. Uh, we are live on um, on YouTube, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitch. On YouTube, we're linked on uh, we're live on my personal channel, Armin Navabi, instead of Atheist Republic, because we got a strike on Atheist Republic again, so we can't stream or upload for a week there. Um, the details of that will be discussed on the final news because that is actually the final news. So to see why we got a strike. Um, yeah. And by the way, the reason why you didn't get a post on the uh, community uh, tab of our main, um, um, on our main channel, Atheist Republic is because when you get a strike, you can't even post on the community tab. So that's why you guys were not notified. I'm glad that some of you are already subscribed here and you can notice that we're live here. So I appreciate you guys that are following us both on, on everywhere that we are in case. So if you're, if you are, you know, here, um, for the first time on Armin Navabi, please make sure you subscribe to the Armin Navabi channel as well in case we have a strike on our main channel and that we have to do the live stream on my personal YouTube channel. Anyways, we're going to be discussing the news on atheism, religion, politics, secularism. There are many things that we're not going to be discussing anymore because of these strikes that we're getting and we're getting more and more limited. Probably at some point we're going to be talking about Christianity only because anything else is probably going to get us into trouble. So we're like, we, YouTube is suffocating us, right? Like the, the area of what is acceptable. Um, like, even though we're just covering the news, we're not even, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more detail. We'll tell you more about what the, what of, of a mess we are in at the end of the last news news. There's 10 news. That would be number 10. But right now, Let's start with something a little bit more happy, a little bit more uplifting. The first news is actually good news, I think, right? Yeah, can I clap for the yeah. first news? All right, first news. First news, new study. Most American atheists oppose the death penalty. A new Pew Research Center survey shows that most adults in the United States support the death penalty for people convicted of murder. However, views about the death penalty differ by religion. Atheists and agnostics oppose this form of punishment at about the same rate as Americans overall support it. Atheists and agnostics represent less than 10% of the adult population, but their share has grown in recent years. Roughly 65% of atheists and 57% of agnostics either strongly or somewhat oppose the death penalty for people convicted of murder. Meanwhile, 60% of U.S. adults favor the death penalty, including 75% of white evangelical Protestants and 73% of white non-evangelical pro Protestants. 39% um, of the people with any religious affiliation say that the threat of the death penalty deters serious crimes compared to 26% of the unaffiliated. Why, why is that? Why do you think there's a relationship between being an atheist and opposing the death penalty? That's a very good question. I would think Maybe it's because we don't have a doctrine that justifies punishment of death. Like you see very obviously so in religious texts. 
I just want to point out that all my questions are good questions. So, but yeah, <laughs> so, uh, Rivka. I I think that along with what Susanna is saying, there is maybe something to the worldview that there are certain things that morals that are fixed for all time. And if you violate these things, you expect specific punishments. And if you look at, and the, then also maybe more of the looking at reason and having the statistics bear it out, because if that were the case, we wouldn't see levels of certain crimes that we do. I I don't have it on hand because unfortunately I didn't do the research this week. So, but um, I don't think it bears that out. I don't think it acts as the deterrent that people think that it does. Perhaps, but believing in something that you don't really have any proof for or evidence for is often maybe more acceptable to certain groups of people who believe in an ideology that you have to just take it on because you feel it or you think that it might be true or you want it to be true, that it must be true. Um, but also I think the level of punishment itself, the fact that if someone's a sinner, then they have to be punished. And it's, it's I don't, also, from my perspective, believe the state should be in the business of killing people. I don't know that I think that that's the job of the state. You know, it can be argued from a religious perspective that states do not have a right to take life away because only God has that right. You know, that could be a line of reasoning. However, I can see why. I don't think it's atheism that is making people more opposed to death penalty. I think it's religion that is making people pro the death penalty. Like I don't think there's anything within atheism that makes people like, oh yeah, I'm I'm my atheism is impacting my opposition to de the death penalty. It's just I just think it's the other way around because it's really hard to be against the death penalty when your scripture includes the death penalty, right? Like, are you, what are you saying? Are you saying that the old Testament and the Quran um, are wrong? Right. So, I mean, you have, you, just by the virtue of being re religious, you are claiming to trust a higher of a, a, you know, level of authority. And that level of authority is telling you that death penalty is a okay. And I'm not saying it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. I'm not saying like every religious person therefore is going to be the death penalty pro the death penalty but obviously it has some influence it's, it doesn't have a one-on-one -on -one, you know correlation but i i'm suspecting my guess is that that's why it is it's it's, it's not the influence of atheism it's just the influence of religion that is making more people more de pro death penalty i think death that's absolutely the way to look at it um i think that when you freight when you flip it a little bit like that it, it makes more sense but I also think that um, your point about only God can take or give life is part of the Catholic argument against the death penalty. And I, from what I understand, the one religious group that may have more of an association with being against the death penalty are Catholics. And yeah. There's been some very famous people, Sister Helen Prejean, and a lot of people may have seen a film about her. Mm -hmm. um, so that 
in and of itself is the exact argument that, you know, that all life is sacred. God is the only one who can make these decisions. And so often that's exactly what they're saying as to why they're opposed to the death penalty. So it's, it's an, they're, they're actually people who are pro-life activists who part of their pro-life activism. It's not just a conceptual thing. It's not a reproductive thing. It's actually a whole life um, developmental like philosophy. And so for some people, their pro-life stance extends to opposing capital punishment. Sorry, Armin, what were you saying? Absolutely. No, I, was I was just wondering if your microphone had an issue because I heard some echoes, but it seems okay, actually. So never mind. Um, yeah. Um, actually, you want to read this one? This is interesting. Uh, return to Monke is saying in mm -hmm. India, we have this quote, rarest of the rare cases criteria for the death penalty, but it's quite subjective. I'm yeah. not aware mm -hmm. of this. Yeah. Also, there are some people in the live chat that are saying that, oh, no, this is like, I am, I'm an atheist and I am for, for the death penalty. Yeah. I mean, this is just saying it's most American atheists. It's not saying all American atheists. I wonder... Um, and I just want to point something out. It's people who actually self-identify as atheist and agnostic, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because the actual population of people who are just non-religious, unaffiliated, or none when they put religion um, on a census, and that's actually quite large. But these are like um, explicitly self-identified individuals yeah. and i thought that was important to highlight so you can see like when it comes to somewhat opposed and strongly opposed the atheists the people who self-identify as atheists has like by a huge margin bigger than everyone else right but yeah it's very interesting because the people who are nothing in particular score the same almost as religious groups like look Wow, it's actually exact. Like, look, the people who oppose um, the death penalty, the people who are not nothing in particular, score exactly the same as people who are rich, religiously affiliated. It, the The difference is people who affiliate, like, consider label themselves and consider themselves atheists. Those are the ones that are making the biggest difference, which is so interesting. I, I have no idea why. But it's so interesting that the, it, it's such a giant gap. And you can see the agnostic people who call themselves agnostics are also get like high numbers. Like they're the well, second runner up after atheists. But I wonder why that is. It kind of makes me think that there is something about positively atheism. affirming an atheist identity mm. that does influence this belief. It's not yes. simply a lack of affiliation. Um, yes. I mm. think Rivka made a very good point um, or speculation that it might have to do with um, a generalized value of um, a rational or empirical approach because from rational and empirical perspective, the death penalty is not supported as an effective way to deter crime. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I think like I was wrong then. It, this seems like may maybe it's suggesting that I'm wrong. Could it be that pe the people who are people who <laughs> okay, I'm being like I'm just thinking out loud. This could be completely ridiculous, okay? But there is a chance that the people who label them go beyond not being religious, but label themselves as atheists. 
uh, want to be as far as far as away from biblical way of thinking as possible. <laughs> so they're An like, allergic reaction. Whatever the Bible says, not that. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna re re. I'm gonna change what I said before. I think what you said is exactly right on, but also it does have um, a a relationship to being an atheist as well. And I think both of those can exist at the same time that, you know, and that's exactly what you see here. People who are more religious are more in favor. People who are identify as religious people identify as atheists are not. But then when you look at the nothing in particular, you know, so that sort of is your, almost your balance to know that, this is what happens. They're right down the middle. Some do, some don't. My point is what I'm saying is I think it's both. I think it be, can be both. Yes, yes. By the way, um, like me, uh, Susanna and Rivka, when we are making guesses based on this numbers, like we come, we, like you have to take it as guesses, right? Like we, we are just hypothesizing. Oh, wow. I said that without any problem. Um, <laughs> that was, but like we're not these are not theories of us like we're guessing and we identify as guess as guesswork which is guesswork is completely fine educated guesses is completely fine but you have to take it only as seriously as a hypothesis not as a theory um okay um did you guys want to add anything else before we go to the next news okay can we clap for the next news um let's clap even though we don't support this yeah, we don't support it, but nobody died, nobody got tortured. Uh, so, next news. Next news. Pakistani governor mandates Quran studies for all university curriculums. Okay, so in Lahore, Pakistan. Um, according to Punjab Governor Secretariat, uh, a notification issued on June 15th, university students would not be awarded a degree if they do not study the Holy Quran with an Urdu translation. Uh, Governor Chaudhry or no, Chaudhry Sarwar said that without the proper Im implementation of the guidelines of the Holy Quran, one could not achieve success in the world. He considered the Quran a complete code of life whose better understanding would help people win God's favor. He mentioned amendments would be made to the Constitution to make the Quran's teachings compulsory for all students. The Quran course may be equivalent to one credit per hour, one credit hour per year as the relevant university feels appropriate. Okay. Um, Qurans with order translations might end up being the best way to create atheists in Pakistan. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure if I oppose this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe, like, maybe this is exactly what we need. Like, the entire Quran, because I don't know, in Iran, when we were studying the Quran in school man as mandatory, we didn't have the entire Quran, we didn't study the Persian translation of the entire Quran. We had like separate books from the Quran that had specific places of the Quran that were analyzed and, um, you know, translated and reviewed, but not like we didn't read the entire Quran cover to cover. Like I'm, I suspect if we did, um, there would be a lot more atheists coming out of those classes. Rivka. No, I was actually didn't have my finger up, but I was laughing because yes, 
that's exactly the case is that you often don't show young people in these classes the whole thing. You show them what you want them to see in order to indoctrinate however you're indoctrinating, you know, what you think is the right lesson that you're talking about and all that. You don't usually, but we did have to read all those stories and they were not good. I don't know if I agree with you guys because it's the it's a still a tailored Quran studies course. Like they could still do all those things where it's just the good parts. Like you know, I went through all oh, my yeah. Catholic education looking at Catholic understandings very specifically, right? Like <laughs> um I wanted to talk about this because this is part of a whoops, a broader movement that's been happening in Pakistan that's increasing the Islamization of the entirety of Pakistan's education. So you can't even get out of this if you're not a Muslim. You have to study this. You have to get this to gain your education. It's I think actually that's insane. the point that it's um, a problem about. And it's it's putting an extra burden on students because they're going to be Quran studies where you have to learn Arabic and then you have to understand the Urdu translation. And you're going to be quizzed on very specific aspects of scripture. And so you have to know these things really in depth and to make it mandatory for university curriculums, regardless of what a person is learning is such a waste of resources and time. And I think about, like situations like then countries wonder why they have a brain a brain dump right like or a country like Iran like why do they have a brain dump like because everyone hates this form of indoctrination like this is going to disincentivize people from seeking education in Pakistan like they're going to look elsewhere for their university educations because okay, but and people just want to leave. I agree that that is also the crux of the issue. I think we were just kind of, you know, ha-haing it a little bit about that. But that, to me, is shows what that is, is that is the Islamization, that is the government and the religion coming together, demanding that everyone learn a specific text of a specific religion. Yes, it's an Islamic country, but that doesn't mean every single person is Muslim, as we have seen by some of the cases with Christians. And I think that, yeah, some of the brain drain could be a, a problem, but maybe it's also to sort of force it in a way, you know, people to take a stand. If, you know, if you don't like it, then you must be this kind of person. So they can kind of identify who's who. Okay. I, if, if we go based on what happened in other countries, um, I mean, in Iran, even though relig religion was forced from elementary school and all the way to university um, to kids, and look at the results, right? The results has been that, you know, around 30% of the country, based on the latest stats, consider themselves Muslim, right? Within one generation, within 40 years, Iran went from an Islamic majority country to now being a Muslim minority country. 
a Muslim minority, like most people don't know this, that the latest stats shows that only 30% of people in Iran consider themselves Muslim, right? And this has been done not because of atheist activism. Like I wish atheist activists could claim, claim credit. It's no, no, the Islamic Republic of Iran has created more atheists than any atheist activists could ever dream of, right? So we have seen the results of this kind of activity. So I'm, you know, I was like at the beginning, we were ha haing it, like Rifka said. But now that I think about it, maybe no, maybe like, maybe go ahead, Pakistan, maybe like go the way of Iran, you know, like this seems to be like an atheist making strategy. If you do this, especially if you're going to translate the entire Quran, again, another case that I want to bring up, I think it was in Egypt that this, that studies that were showing that providing that, you know, it wasn't in Egypt, it was somewhere else. I forgot where it was because it was, it had to be like the fact that they were providing translations. Oh, it was a thing in Malaysia. I'm not sure, but I forgot where it was this, but there was a stats that even the Islamic scholars, scholars were admitting that the fact that the translations are are being um, made available to students is creating atheists, right? They were worried. Um, and this is also why in the Arab-speaking Islamic world, uh, atheism is growing astronomically fast because they, they speak it and they could like act, they have access to the Quran much more than other, the vast majority of Muslims. The vast majority of Muslims don't speak Arabic. So the fact that they're teaching these translations is really helping our case, right? So, and I, I don't know, I, I mean, it might be like a, just a joke, or like, oh, hey, hey, this is gonna make produce atheists, but is it really a joke? Like maybe it's actually, maybe it's actually gonna really help our, our case, Suze. Well, that's actually a funny point you made that there it's mandatory to learn Arabic because then you can't use the rebuttal of, you don't even understand the Quran because you don't know Arabic. It's like, no. <laughs> Mofo, you taught it to me, and I know even better how dumb this is. Rivka? So I think that Armin may be on to something in a way that it may take longer than we would like, but so think about this in terms of the arc of history. When you started having, if you want to look at it this way, Bibles printed in the language that the people spoke, and the Protestant Reformation and the non-intercessor and you didn't need to make the service in Latin. And then, you know, from there and the access to the Gutenberg Bible, all these things start spiraling into making the enlightenment happen. It starts changing all these different things that seemed constant and ruling the world in the West. So I wonder, and people start what, cause, because one of the enlightenment principles is freedom from arbitrary religious authority. So I wonder if on some level, how some reformations happen within all kinds of societies is when people start really having access to what it is that's being pushed on them and understanding it and realizing how ridiculous it is or how much they don't like it or reject it then leads to other rejections of other things, which let then lead to a more open, enlightened 
mindset, society, etc. Okay, secular protein is saying in Pakistan people aren't going to learn Arabic. That's not going to. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. They they have to translate the order. Didn't we just say that they they're teaching the translations? That's what we said, guys. Pay attention. And they uh, also have to learn Arabic. They're bringing it into like K through whatever the Pakistani version of K through twelve education the, is. Yeah, I mean, okay. So if if I go by some what happened in in Iran. Um, Teaching Arabic doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to know the Arabic, read the Quran in Arabic and know what it says, right? Like we studied Arabic in Iran for 12 years and we still just can't like read the Quran and just ex know exactly what it says just by reading it, right? We just learn how to pass <laughs> pass our test, which is completely different. It really depends on how it's executed, right? But I think the fact that, and again, if they are like translating the Quran into Urdu, are they going to pick and choose or are they going to translate the entire thing and make him read it cover to cover? That's also going to make a big difference. But at the end of the day, even if they do pick and choose, I think if you look at what happened here, oh, here's actually the most important part. In Iran, even though they picked and choose, and we were not exposed to the worst parts of the Quran until we left Islam. Like, I left Islam, and then I realized how bad the Quran is, right? It wasn't like, oh, look how horrible the Quran is, and then I left Islam, because most of what I learned about how the horrible parts of his, uh, the Quran was, came, like, I just go, like, there's no way this is in the Quran. Like, I, we, we've been studying this for 12 years. Is that possible? Like, yeah, it is, right? So... The way that this encourages people to leave Islam is not because, for some people it is, but for a lot of people it's not because like, oh my God, this is horrible, I'm going to leave this religion. For the, for most people it's like, this is annoying, why am I learning this? I don't like this, <laughs> right? Like the fact that, I mean, kids don't like homework, <laughs> right? So turn Islam to homework and make them have to do it for 12 years See what the results are going to be. They're just going to mm -hmm. have an emotional resentment. resentment towards it, right? So, like how every time before you started school, you had to wait outside, like in the cold or the weather, until what there was yeah. a prayer called or something. No, like yeah. So, for example, in yeah, exactly. Like in Iran, when we in elementary school and guidance school and in high school, every every morning, right, early in the morning before you go to class. You have to stand outside in lines, right? Line for grade one, line for grade two, line for grade three, all the way to five. Anybody stands in their own class, and you just have to wait outside for 15 minutes or something for a speech, and then at first a Quran reading, and then maybe an announcement. But you just everybody's just waiting, and it's either like really cold or it's really hot, right? And you just can't wait for this Quran reading to finish, right? Because you want to go inside in safety of like air conditioning on like the heat, right? And there's this kid that is reading the Quran and you have no idea, like it's in Arabic and you have no way, like nobody knows what he's saying, right? It's like, it's not your language. And you just have to listen to it and it doesn't sound beautiful. And people have to like, have you have to be convinced that this is beautiful. You don't like it. You just want them to finish. Like every time it gets longer than usual, you're like, oh my God. Like oh my like if if it's just like five, end me already oh right, yes if it's if like usually if it's five minutes if it goes like if if, if they pick a like a bigger ayah or something and it goes on like six or seven minutes they're like kill me please kill me <laughs> like this is the like it seems like the system has been designed in a way to make kids hate the Quran like why are like 
are you guys trying to make every kid hate the Quran? Um, because that's, you know, and look, the results has been, and some people in the live chat are saying they doubt the statistics because of their feeling. Like, really, guys? Like, oh, yeah, I heard the statistic, but I doubt it. And be, like, based on what? Based it had on, a sample size of over 40,000. 50,000, it got to 40,000 after cleaning for anything that they consider suspicious, right? And guys, do, you don't need to have to trust the statistics completely, but if you're trusting your own gut feeling over statistics, you have a you do not know how to do critical thinking, okay? You seriously have a problem. Like, oh, yeah. One of my, the largest my, studies of Iranian my, religious beliefs since the beginning of the revolution. Yeah, <laughs> since ever. No, since ever. Really? Um, yeah, people are like, yeah, I'm going to go with what my gut tells me over data. Yeah, like, there's a name for that, okay? There's a name for that. It's called anti-intellectualism. You're being, you know, you're doing that. You're doing the thing. You're doing the thing. You're doing the anti-intellectualism. Um, all right. Oh, thank you. Valid point, Armin. Again, I see that um, the rabid atheist is saying valid point, Armin. I do want to use this as a as an opportunity to mention that all my points are valid. Of course, if it's if I, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, all right. Can we clap for the next news? No, this is not something we support. Okay, great. Next news. Next news. Christian Baker fined for refusing to make cake for trans women. Wait, we don't um, support the refusal of the cake making. But we don't, we're not, are we, are we you saying we support this man's discrimination? Yes, yes, but we do support the fine. Oh, yes, you're right. Okay, so let okay. me clap. We clap. Next news. Okay. Next news. Christian Baker fined for refusing to make cake for trans women in Colorado. On June 15th, Judge A. Bruce Jones of the Denver District Court said that the refusal to make to bake a custom birthday cake for a transgender person violates the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act or uh, CADA. Uh, Autumn Scardina had requested a birthday cake to celebrate her gender transition on her birthday. Phillips, the baker, was fined $500, the maximum fine for a violation of the kata. Even though the baker had already agreed to take Autumn's order, he refused to bake the cake due to his religious beliefs once he learned what the occasion was. During his 2018 Supreme Court case, Phillips argued for his First Amendment rights for free religious freedom. However, in this case, Judge Jones said that baking and decorating a cake in the style requested by a customer is not a form of compelled speech. Yeah, this is this is this is such an obvious cake. Okay, uh, cake. It is an obvious cake, but it's also an obvious case. Um, this is such an obvious case because. You know, there is a debate about, like, let's say, for example, if somebody said, make me a cake and also write on it, um, you know, trans rights for the win or something like that, okay? Then there could be an argument that you are, you're not being discriminated against. You're trying to force this person to make a statement that he doesn't believe in. And, and he doesn't have to make a statement that he doesn't believe in. But that's not what's happening. He's discriminating against you for being trans. 
your cake is just as, it was just as simple. I mean, guys, every, I don't know. Well, here, I, here, here's what it is. According to court documents, Phillips denied the cake only after learning what the colors symbolized, even though they had already agreed to bake a cake with a pink cake with blue b frosting. So it's blue on the outside, pink on the inside. He was like, cool. And then he learned that it's like symbolizes like I'm a woman on the inside. And he was like, not cool. Okay. So like you are, you're like colors are for me forced speech. Now the colors are forced speech. Like this is basically denying cake to somebody because they're trans. This is, this is, uh, this person should be protected based on the currently existing anti-discrimination laws. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think the fine is justified. Am I wrong? Rivka? No, I think that your point that you were making about writing it is what that he, this baker from Masterpiece Cakes, won the Supreme Court case on. Because he was talking about um, it was compelled speech. And his counsel said that, you know, be, they're targeting activists like him, they say, because they won't promote messages on marriage equality or sexuality. So a message, yes, symbolically you could have a message, but speech, message, writing it, that was the narrowness of that view. But because there's no writing on it and because it could actually be argued that maybe it doesn't mean that. Maybe you have twins that were both born on the same day, a boy and a girl, and you want a cake that's for both of them. Honestly, it's true. There's no arguing about what the message is if you say, you know, trans rights for the win or, you know, happy marriage, Bill and Jack, you know. So, yeah, I think that's the narrow finding. That's exactly what the judge found. Guys, go make every single color combination to be something LGBT related. So this man can't make any cake, any cake that has any two colors together because they all symbolize some sort of some some group. He, <laughs> he slowly becomes terrified of like <laughs> color combinations because he's like, is this gay? This could be gay too. <laughs> like, like he's make totally him, make, him, <laughs> make him just make gray and black cakes. That's all he's gonna be the, the gray and black cake. <laughs> no, someone makes a rainbow cake because it symbolizes Noah's Ark, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wait, can I? Can I not? Yeah, can I? Like, if I go to this guy, I'm like, I'm celebrating Noah for make me a rainbow cake. Is he gonna make it or and no? And all the animals in the ark are gay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to tell him that you're celebrating Noah. Right. You want a rainbow cake with mm -hmm. rainbow frosting, and when he refuses to make it because he thinks it's a gay cake, you could say no. It's a Noah cake. Yeah, it's a Noah game. <laughs> oh my god. What do you have against game. biblical teachings, sir? Yeah. Wait, there was somebody that just said something I wanted to highlight. I forgot. Um I'll read this one, but I'm gonna find the other one. Uh, Secular Rarity is saying it's got to be a really weird life to live being so insecure that baking an effing cake makes you this butthurt. Yeah, I mean, 
guys, I I can see why it would be even if it's like ridiculous. Like if I go to a Christian and say make cake cake that says on it God is fake, right? I can see that if he wants to refuse that, I think he should be able to refuse that. Okay, just like if you have an atheist baker and a church goes to atheist baker and says, you know, make a cake that says Jesus is Lord. And the atheist is like, you know what? I don't want to make a cake like that. Right. Um, I think it's justified for the atheist baker to be like, yeah, I don't want to make a cake that says on it, you know, Jesus is Lord, but that should be allowed. That refusal of making that cake should be allowed. Okay. But if the atheist baker says, if they say like, Oh, just make us a cake. It's not, you know, for our church. And the atheist is like, I'm not going to make you a cake because I don't make cake for Christians. I think that should not be allowed. Okay. That is, you know, so if you're saying I'm not baking a cake because you're Christian, that shouldn't be allowed. If it What's says, I'm not, or, you know, you could, you could even say like, you know what? I'm going to make a cake. You could write on it that Jesus is Lord yourself. I'm not just doing the Jesus Lord. You, I think that's justified as well, right? So there's a diff. There's a difference. I think this Christian person, if if you ask him to write a message on a cake that is, is something he disagrees with, that's not discrimination. He should be able to refuse that. But if you if it's denying you a service based on your identity, that's the that's the discrimination. You go so. What's interesting is that this trans woman is actually a devout Christian herself. So in an interview, she was talking about how she understands his position and the nuance of what he has to go through, blah, 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 which I thought was like BS, but just an interesting little twist. That is very interesting to, you know, a twist to this. But I wanted to say about what you were saying, Armin, is exactly what the case in the Supreme Court he won, and now he's lost this other one for that exact reason. Now, this one wasn't at the Supreme Court. But the other thing I wanted to say is people already refuse all kinds of things on cakes in the sense that because I've worked at a lot of grocery stores that have bakeries, and you can't, you know, have they won't write swear words often or what they consider to be obscene messages. So there is that level to some degree already in the sense of that. So, yeah. By the way, I also think it's fair to um, investigate if somebody is using the excuse of this is forced speech as a way to discriminate against somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes people are saying that this is forced speech, but their actual motivation is like, I hate you. You know what I mean? So I think like we, I, I do, I, I do understand that, but laws cannot just be based on reading people's minds and all right. Laws are based on what you can demonstrate. Right. So if people, and also I see in the live chat, a lot of people are confusing what the law can do and what's morally justifiable. Like people, you know, I support this fine, but I don't support this fine because this is a bigot. I support this fine because this is against the law. Like you could demonstrate that this is against the law. Like you shouldn't be like, oh yeah, he deserves it, so you should fine him. Sometimes some people shouldn't be fined even if they deserve it because it's just not what they're doing is not illegal, right? I support this fine is because it could be like you cannot be like, oh yeah, blue and pink cake. It's a forced speech no like at some point you're like 
No, you're just discriminating against this person. You just no, not and it's so clear that he was because he was fine with that exact cake until he learned what it meant. Which is exactly right. what the judge is saying when he's saying, because like I said, it's reasonable that it could have not meant that. It did, but he doesn't know. It's just a cake. And then when he investigates it, it becomes not for speech, but an I hate you, which is exactly what Armin was saying. Because there is no message that he is compelled to write. Right. And also the fact that he didn't know what it was about, had no idea, and it was okay. And then, you know, so, yeah, I think that's what the judge is saying. And that also you can't necessarily call colors that symbolize something an actual message. Okay? I mean, you're just getting in the weeds at that point. Message means words, sentence. Yeah, an actual statement. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, okay, so we support the fine. Um, also sounds like a very creative cake. Yeah, actually. I, oh, wait, I forgot to mention. I actually reject the, uh, the idea of a cake as a whole, okay? Um, unless this person is using artificial sweeteners and all. Oh, my God. So <laughs> do not eat cakes, guys. Learn, try to learn on finding ways to celebrate something with healthier options, okay? Why are we like why have we made this a norm that celebration of things requires poisoning ourselves? Like why is this a thing with alcohol and sugar? Like is this a like why are we doing this? This is like stop. Like is it, you know, people get together and they want to celebrate things and like, oh yeah, let's like let's just damage our bodies as in celebration of something great. You know, there are there must be alternative ways for you for us to celebrate things other than sugar and alcohol. Okay? Armin wants some good, clean, sober fun. I want to disagree vehemently with Armin. I don't think you should overindulge, you know, moderation and everything, but you only yeah. live once. So no, no, eat, I completely eat no, the so cake. You, no, you completely misunderstood. You completely misunderstood what I'm I saying. I understand what no, you're saying. Well, let me let you, me let me respond. Rivka, please let me respond. Um I completely agree that to to actually to maintain a healthy life, you need to sometimes indulge in some some of these things because if your diet is too strict, there's you're gonna not be able to uh, stick to it, right? You need to be able to eat cakes and donuts sometimes, right? I just think like it's better to do that on a planned, you know, eat your cake or drink alcohol according to your plan rather than having that as a celebration. Uh, because then every celebration is going to be an excuse because I think like cheating on your diet needs to be a planned cheat that is helps you to stick to it. Not something that, Oh, we're like, Oh, it's Christmas now. Oh, it's someone's birthday now. Oh, it's not a birthday now. Oh, this, Oh, this person just had a baby. Like, okay. Like you have so many excuses. Like it's not, this is not just like having a cake sometimes here and there just to just make sure that we enjoy life to the fullest. This is like so many excuses and it makes, it makes, like we, I want us to be able to celebrate more, not have more excuses for celebration. And if we have, if we fill our lives with so many celebrations, and if every single one of them is an excuse to just fill your mouth with sugar and alcohol, then then that's not indulging in cake. Sometimes that's just like, you know, twenty five percent of your life celebrating with sugar and alcohol. That's not healthy. No, but I completely agree that 
not being too strict with your diet. Sometimes, like I'm not saying never eat a cake ever. No, that's actually that's a that's a recipe for disaster. So, thank you for letting me clear that up. But yeah, but there are better ways to celebrate. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, can we clap for the next news? Um, let's clap. Next news. Next news. Wait, that you... wasn't that was that was bad. Next news. Next news. Uh, UK teachers still in hiding after showing cartoon of Prophet Muhammad. So we've been following this story since it began, and I wanted to give this update. Um, in March 2021, a teacher from Batley Grammar School showed his students a cartoon of Prophet Muhammad by the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo. His actions sparked protests outside the school, demanding for him to be fired. The protests led to the suspension of the teacher. In May 2021, the, after two months of an independent external investigation by the school's governing trustees, it was found that the teacher did not intend to offend anyone and, has sin and hence was reinstated. However, it was reported that the teacher and his family have been in hiding since the end of March because of the intimidation and threats. Two other teachers, who were also suspended and then reinstated, have refused to return to the school over fears. Okay, um, I I'm giving up on you, the UK. Is it too bad? I'm giving. <laughs> I don't know, guys. What the hell? Like. Like, this is mob justice right now. Like, this is the people that they have successfully managed to, managed to create a second version of law that is not being enforced by the, by the state, but by mob intimidation. Like, this is technically side by side with the UK law enforced by street mob intimidation. Like, even though it's technically working as a law. Right, so it might not be officially state law, but it's working very much like how it would be if it was the law of the land. Like, so this is like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm. It's really hard not to be discouraged from news like this. But Susanna, you had your hand up. Well, especially considering that he was suspended to the outrage of many people in the UK, including the student body of this school. And he was reinstated only after a two-month investigation that found that he can only come back because he did not intend to offend and that he genuinely... It's okay. It's not that distracting. ...genuinely believed that it was for educational purposes. However, with the concession that these cartoons cannot be shown again in the classroom setting, which yeah. is, I think, a major loss it's an it's a completely unprincipled concession to make it, it it i think it validates it it actively validates the rage and um actions of the mobs and protesters that descended on this school rivka so not only does it validate that it also makes it clear that there's two sets of rules for different people's ideologies and belief systems. So some groups who don't vent their rage 
in, you know, really extrajudicial violent ways who might be offended, but, oh, too bad. You know, it's a free and open society. Get over it. We're showing this picture. Other groups get special treatment and we're willing to go along with their dogma because we're afraid, which is terrible, but that's what's going on. And so, you know, this is this lie that religious people put out all the time. They ask for respect in the public sphere, but really what they really want is submission. Yeah. It's a huge that was problem. very well said. Go ahead, yes, it was very well said. Um, it's a huge problem also that a lot of the outrage that was coming from a religious perspective, because I believe that there is um, a substantial, if not a majority, um, like Muslim student population at this school. I can't quite remember. But that the outrage was actually coming from um, Muslim communities that were not even actually a part of the school or from outside the area altogether. Like it was way more um, uh, manufactured. Yeah, it was exactly. Manufactured. Um, it's and people. I in case anyone doesn't know, like this person, I think does have good reason to be afraid, considering in um, uh, France less than a year ago. There was a teacher who was murdered in the street for showing these images in his classroom. So that's not England, but that's close by. And then also around the same time, within the months after what happened to Samuel Paty, there was an incident. And I always get all the Scandinavian countries confused, but Norway or Finland... Um, uh, they a, there was a teacher who had to go into hiding for showing an image that wasn't even explicitly the prophet. It was just kind of like a like a Middle Eastern looking dude with a sword, and people thought it was a prophet. And then he had to go into hiding over that. Like that's how diffuse it gets. Okay, I'm actually I'm, I'm glad that the news coverage, the mainstream news coverage of this, is saying how is it possible in a liberal, free an open democratic society that a teacher from Bait, Baitley gram, uh, Grammar I think, School. I think it's ba Batley. Batley Grammar School, who showed uh, people's a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad is still in hiding. So this is GB News, which I'm assuming is, saying is Great Britain News. This is the mainstream news outlet. And, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, mainstream media is always going to be defending. Like, no, like, you know, Mainstream news is very diverse. Like the people that say mainstream news media is not going to tell you this. Usually, like actually here, they just told you right here. Like it's a, such a diverse group of news outlets that and different group of journalists with so many opinions that uh, usually they're wrong about that. Uh, Rivka, you had your hand up. Yeah, hopefully the dog would. But um, so I also think that um, just skip it. No, it's okay. It's, uh, he, she or he is not being that distracting. I want to hear your opinion. It's okay, just, my, I was going to say something about um, the fact that the people in the school who created this fuss, even though this guy was reinstated and they went through the channels and did the things that they were supposed to do, are refusing to accept 
this and they're making it so that he and colleagues of his are still in hiding because they're afraid for their life shows you the two tiers of, you know, um, decision-making bodies in that area because the school, the school board, however it works there, followed the rules, did what they're supposed to do, had a commission, made a decision. It's over. But these people have this street justice in a way that makes it anybody could say anything. And I mean it like en masse because you were talking about the person in the Scandinavian country. It wasn't even a picture. But because people interpreted it that way, then it becomes okay. So anything is up to anyone's interpretation at any moment can create this potential threat to your life. And it's like, this is this underlying, you know, level of almost mafioso type behavior. By the way, the live chat is, is commenting a lot on the, your dog making his, his or her, his. Him. His opinion, her. Like Even the dog like... knows the story is BS. <laughs> <laughs> Doggo is giving his points as well. The dog wants to be heard. He, he was like, opinion. Mom, you nailed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my mom is on point. <laughs> um, Little hype I, man. I do want to highlight this LinkedIn comment because it's so funny and stupid, but at the same time, it highlights the fact that we're live on. Uh, LinkedIn, because I want to promote Atheist Republic's LinkedIn. So Floyd Green with this idiotic comment, which is, I love it because it's funny. Mainstream news doesn't report truth. It reports the atheist agenda. Oh my God. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Wait, now I actually, I was defending mainstream news. I didn't know they're on our side. That's fantastic. We wish that was exactly <laughs> the case. I mean, okay. Wow. We're so powerful. Wow. Are we becoming the new, like, no, actually, I can't joke about that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Rivka knows what I was going to say. <laughs> but we, yeah, those who yeah, know, no. know. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right. So can we clap for the next news? Um, let's clap. Okay. Next News. Next news. Man who rubbed ham on Quran at mosque gets no jail time. So this is a pretty weird story. And I think we're going to have a lot to say about it. On October 30th, 2020, in Wichita, Kansas, a man entered the Masjid on Nur Islamic Mosque. He hung cartoon posters depicting Muhammad and rubbed ham on them as well as the Quran. Um, his last name is Archon Byrne, was alleged to have carried a gun with him inside the mosque, as reported by the Wichita Eagle. However, he told the police that he leaves his gun in his vehicle and only takes it out when he feels threatened. Initially charged with an aggravated assault, Archon Byrne pleaded guilty on May 25th to two misdemeanor counts of disorderly conduct ahead of a bench trial that was scheduled for June 9th. Sedwick County District Court records reveal that he was given a plea deal and then immediately sentenced to 90 days probation with a presumptive probation offense carrying an underlying jail term of 90 days. 
He will only serve the jail term if he violates the terms and conditions of his probation contract. Um, so okay. I wanted to cover this because I thought that this would give us an interesting example of talking about the difference between like free speech and like hateful conduct because this was considered a form of a hate crime. Um, and yes, it's also just like very bizarre behavior. Okay. I I just want to say like for people, I hope people understand. I hope people who support me and follow me. Okay. I hope nobody's surprised that I would support the fact that this person committed a crime. Right. And I'm against this person. And I hope people understand why it's not the ham on the Quran part. That is the issue <laughs> is the inside at, at the mosque part. That is the issue. Like it's you going out and actively putting, doing something, exposing people to something that makes them uncomfortable without them having a way out. The fact that you're forcing this behavior on, on people that you know they don't want to see. Like, guys, for example, let's say like me or Susanna, we bring the Quran, we spit on it, we tear it apart. Um, that is, I think, activism on for free speech, right? You know why that's different? Because nobody that doesn't like that has to see that. Nobody that doesn't like watching me or Susanna tearing up the Quran has to come watch our videos. If they're seeing it, it's because they clicked on the video that is clearly marked that we're going to be ripping the Quran. They could block us. They could unfollow us. They could just not come to our pages, right? The reason why we do it on our platform is because we are trying to make the point that if you don't like something, you don't have to see it, but you don't get to tell us not to do it. That's why we make a video where we're ripping up the Quran. Because we're trying to make a point that you should not be able to stop us from doing this. And we should not be able to force you to see it. And in fact, not only if I rip the Quran and spit on it and rip the Quran, if somebody comes and bothers you with ripping the Quran in your face, knowing you don't want to see it, I will come in your defense against that part against that person. Okay? This person, this is criminal, this is. Criminal behavior. This is harassment, right? This is absolute harassment. You know that these people, this is not welcome, and you're going to a place where they can't um, butt out. They can't, like, not see you. You're, you're in their private, you went to a private property with the intention of harassing people that are not interested in seeing what you're, what you're showing them. This is absolute harassment. This person, this person is a criminal. This is, you know, go on, Suze. Suze is frozen. Is it just me that is frozen or Suze frozen? Guys, am I frozen or is Suze frozen? Do you guys see me? Let me know in the live chat. Anyways, while, while we wait for uh, Suze, I'm going to read this tweet and comment on it. Oh, yeah, it was Suze that was got disconnected. Okay. So Hindi Mackie is saying, I wish Islamophobes would just uh, eat the ham um they buy instead of wasting it it's not like garlic to vampires to us we just don't eat pork uh though you're welcome to okay we we just don't eat pork you're welcome to 
Okay, so she, okay, so here's an interesting thing. Okay, a lot of these Muslims do not know how to call out what's wrong with the situation. Okay, they're missing the point again. Like, look, she's like, oh my God, you guys, you you're wasting your time by wasting pork and the Quran. It doesn't bother us. I mean, you're reacting to it, so it's getting. I mean, you are reacting to it, so don't act like this is like nothing. But the thing that you should be calling out, like, look at you look at the priorities, okay? Look at the priorities. The things that you should be calling out as as wrong with this person's actions has nothing to should not be anything relevant to the ham on the Quran part. It's the at mosque part that you should be calling out. You should be calling out this person's harassment of Muslims in a place where he's not welcome. That's the part that you should be highlighting, the at mosque part. Susanna, you had your hand up before you were disconnected. Oh, I just wanted to talk about how, like, emphasizing the points that you are making, where this is an obvious, explicitly anti-Muslim thing to do. This is not against Islam, because it's going to a place where you know there will be Muslims, and doing something that you know that, targeting them with something that you know that they will find shocking, upsetting, disgusting, offensive, etc. Like you're going to their place to go do that explicitly what you believe is going to bother them like the most. Um, whereas when we do things or involve in like more provocative forms of activism, like desecration, like we're doing that on our own platform and our own space. And we've been really good lately about saying what we're going to do before we do it specifically to give people the time to opt out of it instead of being forced to see it. Yes, exactly. Like which we is now, the least harmful way to go about doing something. Yes. As that I form used, of activism. I used to assume that if the video is titled, we're going to be ripping the Quran, that's enough for somebody not to click on it if they don't want to see it. But now we have gone beyond that. If we are about to do something that, because we do have Muslims who follow our channel. So now we have gone beyond that and give people actual trigger warnings if we are about to do something blasphemous. Um, and again, when we are when we like rip the Quran or do something blasphemous with anything holy, um, it's with the intention. So if somebody was like hurt by these actions, right? And but there but there was no push for normalizing or making passing to laws or passing into community uh, guidelines. The, uh, normalizing um, the pressure on stopping content creators from making such content, there would be no point for us to fight back against that by doing or saying the things that are being limited, right? So a lot of people think like we're sadistic. We're like, we're making these content to hurt religious people's feelings, right? That is not the entire point because if religious people's feelings were being hurt, but there was no demand of silence or no push to force silence on us. In that case, if we make content that would hurt people's uh, religious people's feelings, in that case, we're just being sadistic. Like we're just getting joy out of pe getting seeing seeing people butthurt, right? That would in that case, you could call us out for just hurting people's feelings, right? But if the hurt feeling is followed up by a demand and a push for forcing of silence, then you have to understand that. This is this is beyond your feelings. This is us trying to fight against the normalization of silencing people. 
all right? That's the actual push here. But even when we do that, we still fight, we will still demand that you, that this, that nobody pushes things that you want to be, you don't want to be seen on you. We're just trying to pass on the responsibility of you not being offended to you. Again, I'm even against atheists who say that you shouldn't be offended. No, we don't get to decide what you're offended by. Like people are like, oh, I'm offended and atheists make fun of you. Like, well, you shouldn't be offended. No, you can be offended. It's fine to be offended. I get offended by many things. I get offended by people like not caring about, I don't know, like violations of human rights in Yemen. Like when people like, or in China, like when we have atheists who support China's actions of Muslims, I get offended. Everybody gets offended, okay? It's fine to get offended. You can be offended, okay? But what we're trying to show is that if you're offended, your responsibility, you are responsible for not seeing the things you don't want to see. It's not the responsibility of the content creator not to create the content that you don't want to see. It's your responsibility to just not go chasing after the things that makes you brings you discomfort. Rivka, you have your hand up. Yeah, I wanted to just um, talk specifically how this relates to the title. So it says man who rubbed ham on Quran at mosque gets jail time. And Susanna said that, you know, it is being talked about as if it's uh, specifically a hate crime. But I don't see that he's been charged with federal hate, any federal hate crime. And he was charged with aggravated assault because he yelled negative and scary things at a person in the mosque and oh, then wow. just disorderly conduct. Yeah. When, yeah, people assault is a threat under the law. Battery is when you actually do something, you know? So he said something nasty, did a bunch of other things. The, and I, and I think this is important to make clear because some people might assume like I did when I first read the article that he damaged their property. No, he brought his own Quran so this was premeditated. He stopped and bought a Quran. He showed up with some Charlie Hebdo magazines. He, you know, yelled at this guy. So he did these things, um, but he hasn't been charged with the federal uh, hate crime. He was charged with this. But I just want to say, because the art, the headline says no jail time. If this person has no criminal record, and this is his first time any of this has ever happened, and the yeah. way the law works, I don't know if he does or not, about the plea bargain, well, that's the way it works. Oh, you know, okay, okay. that's very common that they plea bargain massive percentages of crimes down. And it may be the case that this guy, this is the first time any of this is happening, which would be a normal situation. Some guy does something that might merit 90 days in jail, but nobody wants to go to trial, including the prosecutor and the defense attorney and the judge. They have bigger fish to fry or that's just the way it works. So they would may offer him something like this. The reason I'm bringing this up is I don't want there to be an assumption that just because he got a plea bargain, it's because people are all, Islamophobes or they agree with this guy or because of course he did, you know, he's a white man who's, you know, I don't want that to be the natural assumption because it very well may be that this a may not have merited jail time or maybe it did because he got 90 days if he violates his probation. 
or right. the plea bargain. So I just want people to understand how that works based on the title, because it almost implies, well, how come he didn't go to jail? Like there's some discriminatory aspect against Muslims there. I just wanted to bring that up. Right. Yeah, actually, it's very good that Rifka mentioned that because I was um, I was actually going to say with regards to him not getting any jail, I don't know. I I didn't know how to comment on that because I don't know. Like it's so interesting that a lot of people come out and say like, "Why didn't he get jail? He should have get gotten jail." Or some other people say like, "No, he shouldn't have gotten jail." And then you ask him like, "Well, do you know what the standards are for somebody getting a jail or not getting jail? Like, is this normal for this type of behavior for somebody to get jail?" Like they have no idea. Uh, and they're like, just by, based on their own emotional reaction of being for or against the person, they're like, I hate this guy so much. So why didn't he get jailed? So he must, there must be something wrong with the system that he didn't get in jail. Right. So I was going to say, like, I can't comment on the fact that why he didn't get jailed because I don't know what the standards are. I don't know how much punishment you get for one level of crime in, in the United States. So, and if so, so many people commenting on that, probably don't know either but Rivka is has so much nuanced information about this so i'm so grateful that uh, she added all the commentary that i wasn't able to like i wasn't able to this I is why no Rivka's the best she continues yeah. <laughs> yes. to demonstrate why we yes. keep her around <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I'm earning, earning my her, keep, earning I'm her earning spot my... on the panel <laughs> Rabbit Atheist saying, I agree with Rivka. He probably plea bargained this down from simply uh, for, for for simply practical reasons. Uh, yeah, and as Rivka mentioned, the other side wanted this as well because it would be, um, yeah. Okay, so do we want to go to the next news? And can we clap? Um, Let's not clap because this is actually oh. kind of sad. Yeah, it's beyond sad. It's actually, yeah. It might look like we're celebrating it. So, uh, next news. Next news. Five indigenous evangelical houses burned down by Catholics in Mexico. Uh, in Chiapas, Mexico. In uh, Mitzion, Mexico, local authorities and traditionalist Catholics burned down five indigenous Tzotzil uh, evangelical houses. The properties belong to Pastor Alejandro Jimenez Jimenez and his sons. In January 2020, they were expelled from Mitzion after being accused of building an evangelical temple. The incident happened when the pastor was detained for an hour after returning to the municipality to visit his ill mother. The leader of Alas de Aguila, uh, uh, Estras uh, Alonso Gonzalez explained that the expulsion of Jimenez happened because of the local Catholic traditionalist thought he was building a temple. In reality, he was just building a home for himself. Gonzalez condemned the crime and further explained that around 180 houses of evangelical families have been destroyed in uh, Mitzion since 1982. So I wanted to cover this story today because um, this was my first time hearing about the evangelical persecution in Mexico. And this led me down a rabbit hole of learning about this um, persecution that happens in this region uh, today. And I wanted, I wanted to talk about it. I was like, Catholics burning down people's homes? Like, I haven't heard about something like that in maybe ever. So... 
I thought it was important to highlight. Um, let's hear what you guys think about this first. Comment, though, from somebody who it looked like they're from Mexico. You're muted. Oh, you just muted. Oh, you muted yourself. there was a comment from someone named Peter, and I just wanted to, yeah. Sadly, we have right-wing Christian intolerant gang wars with extremist right-wing. Oh, I thought he was with extremist Muslims. Okay, I... No, yeah, no, okay, so I think they're just saying they're comparing these people to uh, Muslim extremists. I, I just want to... I just I just want to highlight the fact that um, in the private group, and I can't I can't show those comments because Atheist Republic has a, a public page on Facebook with two million four hundred thousand followers, but also a private group with I think um, eighty five thousand uh, members, which is over also eighty. The, yeah. Oh yeah, um, and in the private group. I must say, uh, we can't highlight those because we can't highlight anything in the private group. But we got some really nasty comments supporting uh, this behavior just simply because, um, you know, these are religious institutions. Like, I want to use this as an opportunity to highlight discussing behavior on not just from atheists, but from atheists within Atheist Republic, right? Uh, members of Atheist Republic's private group were celebrating this and seeing no problem with it. Um, and I just think like we need to when whenever we see something like that, we have to use it as an opportunity to not be hypocrites when don't just shine a light on uh, you know problematic behavior or views within uh, religious institutions or groups. Uh, but if you see some uh, something discussing within your own, not just ideological side, but within your own group that you created, I think you should take every opportunity to mention people that you've seen it and you notice it and you don't shy away from highlighting it. It's absolutely disgusting that we have atheists within Atheist Republic that think that this was a good behavior because it just happened to be religious houses. Uh, Rivka, you have your hand up? Yeah, so several of this, the news items that we've talked about have something to do with the legal system or law or you know, the standards at which, which things are held, you know, under the law. And so I just want to point out again, the irrationality of people. So this is obviously against the law, whether you like them or dislike them, whether authorities participated in it or not. I don't know the laws of Mexico, but I would bet money that s deliberately setting a and burning down a building is probably is against the law. So the reason I'm bringing this up is it shows the tribalism and the emotionality with which people address issues. And that's why it's important to discuss the fact that we're, you know, we live in a world where there's nations of laws, not of men, and that means humanity. But that's the saying, nations of laws, not of men, because humans are fallible and so is the law. But humans are fallible in a way that the law isn't. They're emotional. They think, well, the law is good when it's applied to the people that I don't like and bad when it's applied to the people that I do like, et cetera. That, you know, I don't like this group. So if they commit a crime, I think that's OK. But if someone commits a crime against a group I like, then they should receive this terrible punishment. So I really want to highlight that this is ubiquitous across all kinds of groups and 
people that they approach everything with this emotionality and how it's them and what they think or feel or believe rather than this itself. You can dislike evangelicals all you want, but these people committed a crime against another group of people and this should not, A, it's a crime against them, it's a crime against the state, it shouldn't happen, and it's wrong, regardless of who it happens to. I, I just wanted to mention really quickly that I know it's well-meaning, some comments in the live chat, but I'm I'm going to be picky, okay? That's what I do. I, some people say that, you know, I don't like these people, but this is too much. This action is too much. And I just want to think, like, I know that's that's coming from a good place and it's well-meaning. But to say that I don't like these people, but this is too much, I know you don't mean that, but I don't, I don't, what I'm going to describe, I know you don't mean this interpretation of it, but to me it comes across as something less hostile would be justified. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think you should even hate people for their bad views. Like, you could be disagree with them. Like people's like, oh, I don't like these people. I'm like, why don't you like these people? They might be these evangelicals could might have been the best, the kindest of all people. Like they might have, I don't know. Like they might have been really good people. Why don't you like them? I mean, they're wrong. Okay. Like, why don't you like them? Like, I, you've never met them. You might have meet some Catholics or Muslims or evangelicals that they might be like genuinely nice humans that you're gonna maybe if you met them, you would fell in love with them, even though they're wrong, right? So the idea of like, oh, we don't like these people, but this is too much. I'm like, I mean, what do, what do you mean this is too much? Like, you think like some form of lighter hostility would that, would be okay? Like, I don't know. Like, I know, again, I'm I'm being very pedantic. I don't, I know that that's not what they mean, but I'm just, I'm just trying to be picky because we're talking about our own community. No, not no level of hostility, no even level of hate is justified against these group of people, um, let alone crimes. Uh, Susanna, you have your hand up. Well, it was really interesting. So I had never heard of something like this. So today I was doing some research about this issue and um, I was shocked at what I learned. So um, granted, a lot of what I learned was from evangelical um organizations that was a lot of the media that i was consuming about this because this was the main people who i could find even talking about this issue um but because i was trying to figure out like where is this coming from like why is there is there an ethnic component to this um and because i'd never heard about something like this nowadays and um, I thought it was really interesting. So I think some of the contention comes from the fact that many of the people in these communities of evangelicals are former Catholics and they are growing their ministry and they're causing a lot of people to leave Catholicism. Um, when I was watching media from groups that support these communities, they would call themselves the Christians. So like they didn't even seem to think of Catholics as Christians. I think some of this has to do with contentions with forms of folk Catholicism that are um, popular in the region, specifically like how um, there are some pagan 
not even like European pagan, but like native pagan beliefs that have become intertwined with Catholicism to a certain degree in the region, but also they were against like the veneration of saints, which is obviously something that's very important to Catholicism. And they seem to be into faith healing and faith healing from um, a Catholic perspective uh, is like pretty blasphemous. Um, that's not something that humans can do. That is only something that you can do through like the intercession of Christ who you have to be like the level of a saint or, um, like a priest to be able to even do something remotely like that. Um, and the persecution that these people were describing was intense. So some of this seems to go back to as early as the seventies or the sixties. Um, but there are so many documented cases of these families being expelled from their villages. And it also, it seems like there's a lot of judicial harassment that these people go through where the authorities, according they accuse the authorities of basically filing any number of fake cases against them to send them away to prison for years. Um, to the point that a lot of them try to hide the fact that they're evangelical. Um, and that they have to live in the basements of like churches and other areas because they literally can't even go back. Like really, and not, there were just straight up um, cases of mob lynchings and people being like tortured um, in ways that I can't even talk about on YouTube um, for most of them. And well, not most, a lot of them seem to have left Catholicism themselves, or there are some that are from families of generations of evangelicals who are involved in preaching and the preachers get really hit the hardest with, um, the persecution. Rivka. So I think that, um, two things I want to say one thing to Armin's point about people could be nice people, even though you don't agree with their views. And yeah, you cannot like someone if they do something do to, you know, an actual action. So I think that's the thing, you know, paying attention to what people do, not necessarily what they say or believe based on, you know, how you feel about them. But then the other thing I wanted to say about what you were saying, Susanna, is that, and it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier about tribalism. So it's as if Catholicism and this particular type of Catholicism is so much a part of the identity of these people that even the authorities feel this way. Like it's, you know, a state religion type thing of this view of this region that anything other than that is seen as a threat. And also these people are poaching their customers. You know, that it's not, it's exactly. bad enough in a lot of people's mind that someone who doesn't believe what you believe, but okay, you keep to your, you know, a lot of what they say in the Midwest is things like you go to your church, I'll go to mine, which is sort of, you know, keep to each yourself to yourself, but it's, they're not doing that. They're taking Catholics and bringing them to their side. So people are finding it even more of you know, in mm -hmm. the front. And then also um, another godless atheist made a uh, very good point too, is they're not the people that leave that's finances, people that are paying into the Catholic church and, and also the pastors themselves, the churches, all this money that is part of 
Catholicism to the community and and she was saying festivals and things like yeah absolutely so now they've lost some of their economic base and that yeah. is what can really fire up locals who may not even believe in it or officials because they said in the thing that some of the authorities participated in the arson yeah i think um this is a really good point about the festivals so um over the years uh, contentions happen around the festivals where there will be you know these big celebrations and venerations of saints that is often sometimes saints are um, sometimes uh what's it called like syncretized with um pagan goddesses or etc um and so they would refuse to participate in these festivals and they would be really persecuted as a result. The rabid atheist has a point that I thought was good coming off of what Rivka was saying. Um, he's saying uh, evangelicalism is on the rise in Latin America and Africa. It is creating fear in the Catholics. My former denominations, the assembly of God was growing in these places and causing pushback. So very good. Point. Yeah, absolutely true. Mm -hmm. they're losing money always a motivator all right so yeah Can we very clap? interesting mm -hmm. i never mm -hmm. knew about this issue i love how fascinated you are she's like she's like gets curious about something You're like we need to discuss this on atheist Report. i had never heard of this either by the way so thank you i'd learned something myself yeah. um yeah thank you Susie. um Okay, um, can we clap for the next news? Let's clap because I think it's hilarious. Next uh, news. Next news. Bangladeshi cleric issues fatwa on Facebook emoji. So, guys, you know that little ha-ha, the little ha-ha smiling emoji oh, when no, you do when you react? You got to think twice before you hit that little yellow face, Okay. <laughs> So, a famous Muslim uh, Bangladeshi cleric who simply goes by the single name of Ahmadullah, with a who has a substantial online audience, has declared a fatwa against people using Facebook's "haha" emoji to ridicule people. <laughs> Ahmadullah regularly appears on television shows to address religious issues. On July 19th, he posted a three-minute video in which he explained that ridiculing people on social media and issued a fatwa, or an Islamic edict, describing how it is totally haram or forbidden for Muslims. He stated that if the emoji was used with the intent to make fun of people who made comments on social media, it is completely forbidden in Islam. Thousands of followers reacted positively to his video, though several hundred made fun of it using the haha <laughs> -ha emoji. Okay, you had I to know, know that was coming. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think I know exactly what's happening here. This man has been so frustrated with the laughing reactions at his comment. That one day he just woke up and he's like, that's it. <laughs> I had enough. Like, I spent so much time thinking, put analyzing Quran and Hadith and Tafsir and Islamic Sunnah and the jurisprudence and studying all these. And then 
write and then think about it and come up with this piece. And then within seconds after posting it, someone comes and gives me the laughing reaction. And like completely dismissed, like he's he's so butthurt. And like, I that's I need to do something about this. This whole thing is haram. It's haram, right? I think, guys, is this not what's happening? I think this is what's happening here. Okay. However, I do want after Rifka gives her opinion. I'm going to try, try, because some people are like, I know it's tempting to just make fun of him, but I want to try to put my, I'm going to try to see, see if it's possible to make the most, steel man the most ridiculous opinion out there, okay? I'm going to try to put my, I, I can't even say Islamic, because I think most Muslims will consider this uh, funny and ridiculous as well. I'm just going to put my Bangladeshi cleric, this specific Bangladeshi cleric's hats on, not even hats. What is this thing called? He has on his head, whatever, whatever he has on his head. I want to put that on and she tried to see if I could steal minutes. But Rifka, go ahead. So I think it's more than him just saying it's forbidden because this thing is he's saying it's fine if you re react with haha -ha emoji purely out of fun and the same was intended. So if you know a funny cat kit kitty video. Haha. <laughs> but if you make the reaction intended to mock or ridicule people who made a comment, then it's forbidden. And he says, for God's sake, I refrain, I request you refrain from doing this act. Do not react with haha -ha to mock someone. If you hurt a Muslim, he may respond with bad language, and that would be unexpected. So it's almost as if what he's saying is an apology for bullying or angry language and a defense of um, people's offense, right? So uh, somebody says, you know, something, some religious quote, and I think it's a ridiculous comment based on what the discussion is. I put the ha-ha. They f attack me, say terrible things. Well, it's because I was making fun of the quote. I was ha haing that I thought it was ridiculous. So their behavior is justified. And if you're a Muslim and you do that, if you get this behavior, it's also justified. Okay. I, I, um, I first want to make two points that I think a lot of people might miss because the, the idea that this is ridiculous, is such an obvious take. So we could laugh at it, but I want to make some less obvious things, okay? That, I mean, it's obvious to me. I just think some people might not pay attention to it. First of all, most Muslims, like, if you think this is ridiculous, I bet most Muslims would agree with you, okay? Like, I know as a as atheists who are against Islam, it's, tempted, uh, like it's tempting for a lot of people in our community to look at something like this and be like, oh, my God, look how ridiculous Muslims are. I mean, Islam and belief in Islam is ridiculous as a whole. But come on, guys, like you, you, you know that a lot of Muslims are going to look at this and be like, what the hell? Right. So like, do not like generalize this person's fatwa over all Muslims. Right. Uh, so there's that. Um, and I also want to point out that, OK, I'm trying to be charitable to this man's position. OK, this is but I maybe let, I'm going to let Susanna speak and then after I'm going to um give you my charitable take on this man's position but Susanna you go ahead first well I think I have a suspicion what the Islamic ruling for this might be I might be completely wrong but I know that there is a prohibition in Islam against like backbiting 
like talking badly about people behind their back. And he specifically talks about ridicule in this. Like that's what's prohibited about this. And so I think that that might be coming, that might be where he's coming from, from an Islamic perspective um, is that this is a form of, I, I don't know what it's actually called in Islamic terms. When I was watching um, uh, Amar Nakhchwani lecture about it, he was just calling it backbiting. Um, yeah. Right. Why Islam prohibits right. backbiting and slandering. And it's a, a major sin in Islam. So, so as to not tear down relationships and stuff. Oh, it's called Giba. Um, okay, so since you can, I'm, I'm going to highlight this comment. Hossein is saying, "Atheists against Islam, they they exposing their agenda." Is Hossein suggesting that our agenda has been exposed? Oh, oh is that what he's suggesting? Because if that's it, oh, oh God, Hossein, you 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 uncovered it. Yes, you you've been exposing us. Yes. Oh no, you discovered our secret agenda. We're against Islam, Hossein. You guys, how the you jig is up. I don't know how you managed to figure that out, but congratulations. Um, so here's my charitable take, okay? So in, in, in Islam, hurting another person, or more specifically another Muslim, um, it's a sin, right? Uh, unless it's like self-offense or, you know, it's based on Sharia or some punishment according to a court or something, right? So... If I go and slap a random Muslim in the face, and I'm a Muslim, um, that's considered a sin in Islam. You harmed another person, right? Um, this harm is not necessarily physical harm, right? So, for example, if Susanna is a Muslim, and I'm a Muslim, and I go talk behind Susanna's back, and Susanna finds out, and she's hurt, and she's just like she's upset about this, I have committed the sin, I have hurt Susanna emotionally, and I have committed a sin against Susanna, and at Qiyamah, at the Day of Judgment, I have to pay um, for this sin that I committed against Susanna, right, by hurting her feelings. Um, this is a damage that I've caused on another human being, right? So this is considered a sin. So Guys, look at me. I'm being I'm being so charitable to a, to the most ridiculous fatwa. Okay, I'm defending a cleric. So what this cleric is saying, okay, is, hey, if somebody posts a joke, and was their intention was for you to enjoy it and laugh, then if you post a laughing emoji to that, that's not a sin. You guys shouldn't be like, I'm not doing, I'm not going a fatwa on emojis. I'm talking about the intention behind the emoji, okay? So if you ha-ha a joke, maybe that person appreciates your emoji because like, oh, yeah, I posted a funny joke, and you're responding with a laughing emoji, and they're like, hey, yeah, look, and, and they get encouraged to post another joke. So that's not a sin. But if, if, you're, if you're putting a ha-ha emoji as a way to hurt somebody, to make fun of them, well, that's obviously a sin because you're hurting a person's feeling, and you're committing a sin because you're causing emotional damage to somebody. So this is not a fat one emojis per se. This is a, this is me bringing to uh, to your attention the fact that if you're using anything, including emojis, as a way to hurt somebody, this is a sin in Islam because you're hurting somebody. Okay, 
How do you guys like that? Did I not just save this man's fatwa? I think I just saved this man's fatwa. I mean, you made it. You made sense. <laughs> I, think you, I, I think you just described, said exactly what he would say. Right, right, right. Okay, cool, guys. Look at this. We're being so we're still manning clerics. We're being even made fun of by even Muslims. Um, the rabid atheist is saying, "Why do I feel like I'm suddenly in discussion on Christian swear words all of a sudden?" Frick it all. <laughs> I want to uh, clarify that what I was talking about was uh, Giba, and it's specifically mentioning something about a person in their absence that they would hate to have mentioned or known. So I was a little bit off, but it pertains to like slander and ridicule. So mm -hmm. um, let's right. go to the next news, but we can't clap. We can't? Okay, next news. Next news, Supreme Court rules up. Uh, sorry, Shoot. let me start again. Next news, Supreme Court rules Catholic group doesn't have to consider LGBTQ foster parents in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On June 17th, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Catholic Social Services, a conservative adoption agency based in Philadelphia, in a landmark case regarding the separation of church and state. The court ruled in a 9-0 to verdict, that is a unanimous verdict, that the Catholic organization is entitled to screen potential foster parents and refuse to work with LGBTQ parents seeking to adopt, even though Philadelphia law prohibits such discrimination. The city of Philadelphia had sought to end its contract with Catholic Social Services due to this blatant discrimination. When the CSS's policy was made public, the city terminate, terminated its contract with uh, CSS for adoption and foster services. CSS then filed a suit arguing that the city's position violated its constitutional right to freedom of religion. So what is it? Okay, Rivka, you go ahead. I actually have quite a bit about this because I had a very long conversation with a friend of mine who's an attorney in D.C. who also happens to – who, and so I know a lot about this. So people All right. So, Rivka, Rivka before that, we go – before – because I – can we do a short version analysis of this before we do a deep dive? Like – what is the overall reasoning behind well, that's this? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. This is exactly right, right, right. what it is. So the reason the court, according to what we can glean from the decision, which he and I both read, that the court found that for the church is based in really a very, very narrow sense. Because the city of Philadelphia offers exceptions to their standards, their rules, at the discretion of the local or the city or the state authority, the city authorities, but refused to grant the Catholic Church that an exception. That is what this ruling is about. If you're going to give it some exceptions to to their standards and their statutes to some groups, but then refuse those exceptions to others, that is a violation of the, you know, equal 
protection in the sense of, or not equal protection, but it's a violation of this equality and their rights because why don't they get exceptions? Some people get exceptions. How come we can't get an exception? Is it because you don't like us? You're discriminating against us? So that's exactly what the ruling was about. So the way to solve the problem is not to rage that the Catholic Church is discriminating because they are and that's wrong, but is to remove the exception. So when you remove the exception, then you remove the source of the problem. So what is this other good that got the exception? Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember. My friend told me, but he said it's the law permits arbitrary government discrimination exercised here based on Catholic social services by allowing exceptions to be made to its otherwise express requirements of non-discrimination by contractors. So in other words, government can't discriminate. You can't discriminate against the same sex couple and then in the same breath provide an exception to that rule to be granted at the government's discretion without by necessity violating the rights of the person who isn't discriminated, you know, granted the exception. So that's the whole point. Yes, we can talk about how it's bad that they are able to discriminate and that they can, um, from what I understand, receive, you know, state and federal funds because they are a major, uh, foster and adoptive care provider, social service provider in this area, major. But lots of other religious groups have been granted the right to discriminate based on their religion. But if you're not receiving government funds, then the government doesn't have any control in saying, yes, you can do this or no, you can't. But when you're granting exceptions and not to others, that's the problem. Okay, but um, my, my question is like, wouldn't they I mean what if the original discrimination was also unconstitutional? Um, wouldn't the court be able to say, like, oh yeah, you don't get an exception, and the previous ruling was also a mistake? Like they have the power to say, Yeah, that was like the fact that some other people got an exception. We are undoing the harm of that by not giving you the exception. We're like making a new precedent. Like they don't have to stick to whatever was done before can no, they be like yeah that was a mistake no yeah. because in the united states even in every municipality state federal there's separation of powers the court doesn't make law it only enforces or interprets or not enforces that, but it interprets sorry. the law to undo but, those things you have to go to legislature and say yeah i understand this that. That's was not wrong what, based on the court's finding for that so we have to change this so it doesn't happen again yes Rivka, i understand that part i didn't say that they should make a new rule they should make a new law uh what i'm suggesting is that the interpretation of the already existing law they could have argued that the interpretation of the existing law was wrong when it comes to that ex exception provided to that other group, right? Um, and I don't know, like, if perhaps, it's perhaps, but they yeah. don't argue, um, they just listen and decide. The argument is for the city of Philadelphia, the person argues for the attorney for the Phil city of Philadelphia or for the Catholic Church. So, arguments that were made 
you know, the Catholic Church's lawyers want you to interpret it as a win for freedom of religion and they get to do whatever because it's their religion. But really, that's not what it's about. It's about a technicality. It's a narrow issue. You can't do one thing for one group and not do it for the other. I know. The way to so solve you, it you is get you rid of the exception. You mentioned that part already. Um, my, so here's one thing that you mentioned. Okay, so here's another thing. Let's move on for this because I think you could go on forever. Because I, I don't understand. What I don't understand uh, is that in the United States, we have anti-discrimination laws, right? Um when we say religious organization have an exemption, like we don't actually, that is not the case. Like the, like for example, if a church, um, again, I'm not saying this is how it is because obviously Rifka knows a lot more about the U.S. than me, uh, so maybe you could clarify this. But if a church doesn't want to deny black people, okay, um, into its building. That would be against the laws of uh, United States, and that would not be allowed. And there would be no religious. There's no religious exemption for that, right? So, the anti-discrimination laws that exist within the United States, there is no religious freedom argument within the Constitution that could make the churches not abide by that, right? So, if that is the standard that we have, like you know, if no church can say like, oh yeah, we don't allow black people here, and that would be like, they would be. I mean, at least the public version ones, right? Um, then why can't that be applied here as well? Um, and if there was any exemptions that was given to any religious institutions before, they could, the court doesn't have to invent the law. They could come and say, like, yeah, that was a wrong interpretation of the law. Here's now the correct interpretation of the law. We're setting a new precedent, not by introducing a law. We're setting a new precedent by coming up with the correct interpretation of the laws that already exist. Um, so that's what I'm, what I'm asking. Um, I have another question, but Susanna, I see oh, both Susanna and Rivka. Susanna, you go, and then Rivka. Um, well, I just wanted to talk about how, so I was watching um, the Freedom From Religion Foundation actually did like an hour and a half long video about this a few days ago with their um, one of the directors of their legal affairs, uh, Andrew Seidel. And FFRF actually submitted an amicus brief to this case as well. Um, so they were involved with the proceedings, but they were talking about um, a lot of different aspects of this case. So if you want like a really detailed analysis, I really recommend you guys go watch that, especially from a secular perspective. But they were talking about how the court could provide no explanation about how discrimination in this variety is any different from racial discrimination. They're like, what, there's, there's nothing that is like separates the two. So if the, I don't know, I got confused by some of the details of this case, but to me, I'm like, does that mean if this happened in a racial context, like that'd be fine. It's, that's what confuses me so much. And it sounded to me like the experts at FFRF are saying like, they're not making any distinguishing difference because they Wait, can't. They don't have so an argument. Me with my with all my ignorance of United um, of U.S. laws, were just made the same argument that this legal that's a, a legal expert Andrew Seidel from Freedom from Religions Foundation made. Like, okay, I just wanted to take credit for being able to make that argument. Good. Well, I don't. I don't even need a legal degree, and I'm making the same argument. This is that impressive, Rivka? 
so a couple things. We did a story about a church in Minnesota, I believe, that was a whites-only church. Um, and I don't remember what the outcome is, but um, is they're not providing a service, I don't like, to the entire population the way that people are forced into uh child services, right? You, through the courts or through an emergency. So there's that. Then also, yes, you may not be able to actually make a distinction between discrimination based on someone's sexuality or sexual preference and racial discrimination, but that's not what the ruling was on. So that's what's really important to understand. Most constitutional cases that talk about things that are unconstitutional aren't won on the Constitution. They're won or lost on technicalities or on little narrow things. So the point is, yes, they're saying it, it's discriminatory, not because they have an okay type of discrimination, but they've been discriminated against because some people who may also have an equally abhorrent type of discrimination have been given an exception. These people haven't. And that's what makes it the problem for the court in this case. Now, the lawyers for the church want you to believe that it's all about their right to have whatever belief that they want and then act on it. It doesn't matter whether it's against the rules Rivka, or they get their, money. It's their right to be paid by the state and discriminate exactly. while doing That's what so. I was about it, to this say. This is what the point of this money. case is. It, there is their yeah. right to have a contract with the state and still discriminate. Exactly. So the takes, which has been the standard in the past, to Armin's point, that if you take state money, you have to, or federal money or whatever, you have to abide by these sets of rules. Well, good. Then it's got to be equal across the board that no one gets an exception or everyone gets an exception. And if everyone gets an exception, what's the point of having the rule? the law right. that you can't discriminate. So that's where it has to change. And in order to change it or to, or argue something different that on appeal, they could argue different things if it's appealed by the city or if it's appeal, you know, Philadelphia, the Catholic church not going to appeal it because they won. All right. But the court's um, telling them how yeah. to fix the problem. So this doesn't okay. happen again. Micah. Um, so just to point out that the difference between that all white church, um, um, all white church that we mentioned is that that all white church that managed to get away uh, from the law was by acting like they're not providing a public service and making it a private club, right? So even if an organization or a company or an institution um, is not getting funding from the government, if they're providing a service to the public, they will still, um, anti-discrimination laws will, be, will still be applied to them. I mean, the fact that these are getting government funding, that makes it even more uh, problematic. But I think like any, any like even a private institution that's providing a service to the public, if they say like, we don't accept, I don't know, black people over here or anything like that, um, they would be, 
it would be legal based on anti-discrimination laws, right? I, that's, I'm assuming that's how it works in the United States, right? So my question um, is, would, do, you think, do you think that this case would have gotten a different treatment from the Supreme Court of the United States if it had said, if the case was the Supreme Court rules Catholic group doesn't have to consider um, black parents, right? Do you think they would come out with the same result if instead of LGBT, it was black? And if the results would have been different, why would it be different? Like, why, would, why is there a difference? I think they would have actually come up with the same result if the mm -hmm. situation were the same because they weren't ruling on the discrimination that the church was engaged in. They were ruling on the discrimination that the government and the of Philadelphia was engaged in, which was giving some people exceptions and others not. And so this is why sometimes you see these rulings that people think are absolutely outrageous and wrong because the law is saying, according to the court, if you grant exceptions to one, you have to grant exceptions to all. And so okay, guys, the things that we mentioned before, let's try not about. to let's try not to repeat the things that we already mentioned before. So I have to to explain I, okay. the point that you're making. It's not about okay. the discrimination the church is engaging in. That's why I say let's try. Even if we have to, we have to. But let's try because sometimes we like this the same sentence. Now we have said it like more than ten times. Suze, you wanted you had your hands up. Oh, well, I just wanted to say to Rivka's point, that's actually exactly why this was a unanimous decision. And we got, you know, our more liberal judges on the, to render this decision in a way that other people may have been surprised by for exactly the reasons that Rivka was describing. Um, and it's kind of interesting in terms of how the decision goes. There was like a majority opinion and then there were different takes on how the judge, the like three other takes on how different judges reached the same conclusion. Some of them had arguments that the FFRF described as more evil. So if you were going with the most evil argument of this decision, you go with, according to them, what, um, Justice Alito argued. Um, the Roberts argument was a little bit less evil, according to them. I didn't read the opinions. Um, but yeah, this was a very interesting case. It's going to have to go back to like contractual stuff and the city legislature to actually remove this exception. And then the contract negotiations with the um, Catholic Social Services will be on a very different footing. Um, it's pretty interesting, too, because this was all revolving around Catholic Social Services being contracted to do one specific service, which was actually picking who gets approved to be like an accredited foster parent, right? And they were denying home visits to same-sex parents, and they were denying them this accreditation. So the city decided to not renew or like their contract with them over those services. But this social services agency was actually still being contracted and paid by the city for doing other services, just not the service in which they were discriminating against people. I but just, even then, because of this exception, hmm. well, we know how it went. If Riff, so if Riff, if Rivka is correct, which he usually is, um, then my 
then it's so bizarre to me that it's that in the United States right now, you're saying if the LGBT was black, based on the reasoning that Rivka gave us, we would have gotten the same result. So we're saying that the United States is a country that a religious group would be about would be allowed not to provide services to black people if they wanted to, uh, and still get government funding while doing that. That's the country that United States no, is Armin, right now? No, you're not understanding. Okay. That's why I keep okay, repeating me. myself. That is not what we're saying. We're simply ruling on, the ruling is on one aspect of the law. That's what they yes. sued on. Why do we not get an exception and other people do? Not about okay. the discrimination that they were engaged in. The, the court is... Some people like Alito and others were making that argument, saying that they should be able to discriminate because God and blah, blah, blah. But that's not okay. what the ruling was about. The ruling Rivka, was simply about the yeah, law I, and I whether. That. So I completely the, understand that, Rivka. You mentioned it. Oh my it's God. not saying that you're so, allowed to discriminate, it's saying the government has to do something a certain way. Okay, so you actually didn't people need to repeat won. that. Rivka, please, please, Rivka. You actually, I already understood that part because I already, this is something that I heard before. I knew that part, so it wasn't actually needed to be repeated because what 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 I'm saying is that the, the, I understand what the argument is. But I'm talking about the final effect of it, all right? I'm not saying the government is saying like, oh, you're allowed to discriminate against LGBT and black people, right? So I'm saying what, through these legal arguments, what we're getting, what the end result is, as we're speaking right now, okay? Even though the arguments for it is not, it's on, based on some technicalities because the ruling was not based on, oh yeah, you're allowed to discriminate. I understand that. I understand that that's what, not the ruling. But the net effect the final conclusion, the result of this is, the practical conclusion of this, is that religious organization is getting away with discriminating based on somebody being LGBT and still get government funding. That is the final result. So, yes, United States right now is a country that you can, that there are institutions that exist within it that could openly discriminate based on people's biological, um, you know, in characteristics and not only be allowed to do that, not only be it legal for them to do that, and on top of that, get funded by the government while it's doing that. So that's what I'm trying to say. And again, that's not my explanation was wrong. So I'm not blaming this on Rivka. Like maybe I, I didn't explain what I was saying so properly. So my the reason why um, I didn't explain it well because I have to. I had to. I had to add the net effect, the final result of it is, right? So not that the, you're right, Rivka, you explained this to me already. I sh the, uh, the way I explained it, maybe it suggested that I'm saying that the court is saying that. It's not saying that, but that's the result. Uh, Suze, you have your hand up? Well, the result in these very specific instances of contract exceptions. Yes, and so this doesn't set a precedent. religious reasons. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Okay. Does this set a precedent, though? For I, I think I'm no expert. Yes, it's okay. a Supreme Court case. If you get a case where you have the same thing happen in another city with another group, whether they're right. religious or not, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but 
then it could it could because they could say in this case you gave one to other but again you can solve that problem in the future forever and never have it come up if you get rid of the way the contract awarding exceptions are written into statute and you see you think the solution to that is not by not through the supreme court but by changing the law in philadelphia yeah because if mm. they get rid of it and then they have to negotiate and there's no exceptions for anybody then the catholic right. church can't say you're discriminating against us you either you either play ball with us or hit the street okay okay so so don't you know what your one more thing mm. one more thing and this brings up a very important point because mm. When you allow religious groups to do functions like they're doing, but still get government money, if they decide, okay, we don't want to play ball, we don't want to follow the rules to get the money and to provide the service, we're going to leave and not provide the service, then oftentimes the communities that receive the services are the ones that suffer because the safety nets and the infrastructure and the social service agencies within a community, a state, a municipality are not sufficient without depending upon the religious institutions to do some of the work that needs to be done. And so if the Catholics decide to leave, and these are cases that have actually happened, also mostly about adoption in other places where the rule like, look, you can't discriminate. And they're like, okay, well then we won't do adoption placements. And then the community is left with this massive gaping hole because they don't have a service provider and all kinds of children suffer as a result. So maybe take away their, like maybe another part of the solution is to take their competitive advantage away by, Starting to build alternatives? Is that what you suggest to me? Right. Building mm -hmm. alternatives okay, and funding the state alternatives properly. Mm -hmm. Giving more money okay. to that aspect of the government. Okay, that last point was really Fire. something key. Yeah, no, that was key. I'm glad that you brought that up because I, did, I wouldn't have considered that. Um, thank you so much. That was important. All right. Um, Oh wait, this is this is this is really great good news. That we this we is always... good. This is great news, and I'm glad this is one of those days that we have Rifka on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, so it's so funny. Should... All right, cool, cool. can we clap for? Yes, of yeah, course. For... Next news. Next news. Pride flag raised at Israeli foreign ministry, sparking religious rage. <laughs> Rivka having a party in the in the bottom <laughs> in Israel on June 21st. Foreign Minister Yair Lapid ordered the pride flag to be displayed outside the foreign ministry office in Jerusalem in honor of Pride Month. But not everyone was thrilled. <laughs> Deputy Foreign Minister Aiden Roll, who is openly gay, welcomed the decision. Roll stated that waving the pride flag alongside the flag of Israel at the foreign ministry is an important message both within and outside Israel. Um, MK Itmar Ben Gurv, uh, or Griv, 
of the opposition's far-right religious Zionism party described the decision as a cheap provocation. According to Ben Gerv, um, displaying the flag does not serve the community but harms them and turns them into a political tool. Okay, this is beautiful. Um, I know I know there are going to be some accusations of pinkwashing, but I want to see what Drifko thinks before we get. Well, into first of all, I think it's a solid win for Israel. Absolutely. Yes. Solid I w. Think, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that uh, it's significant within Israel itself because, you know, sure, the pride flag in Tel Aviv, but Jerusalem's different and it's kind of a conservative city i mean the, the jews are conservative the christians are conservative the muslims are conservative so to have it happen in that city and to have it with the israeli flag is saying like look it's you know we support equality for you know, all sexual preferences in this tree you have protection under the law can adopt kids you know all kinds of things and this is part of what this government is about in terms of its support for equality. So if you don't like it, fine. You don't have to like it. But harming them, you know, I think that that's where you see that he's really just butthurt that his group is so strangled by religion that he didn't think to do it himself and get the political win. Because the fact that he says that because he didn't say he's using them as a political tool. He said, no, it harms them and he's using them. So somehow the fact that being gay or being bisexual or LGBT is some sort of harm and they're strangled by their religion and keeping it, you know, being against it and also being against Lapid because he's not their guy. So anything he does, he does it as Lapid, so it must be wrong. Because I would imagine if BB did it, they'd be like, yes, look at the way how they might still be thinking it's wrong and we think it's bad, some ultra-religious, but some people would be more like, yeah, you know, in some way, I think. Maybe, maybe no. Our Israeli know. watchers, I'd like to hear their opinion. <laughs> I would also like to highlight the fact that if this coalition manages to stay together, this is uh, Israel's future prime minister who made this decision. So it's interesting. Um, uh, if the coalition stands. That's what I said. <laughs> um, you know, so for people see. who don't know... No, okay, it's my turn. Uh, for people who don't know, um, Lapid is like, right now the the coalition that is the government in Israel um, is like a multi-party coalition um, of 12 parties, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the two top ones are uh, Yemeni party and the Lapid. Um, no, uh, what's who's Lapid? Yeah, it's Lapid, right? Uh, Lapid's party and the Bennett guy. The Bennett guy and this Lapid one. And this, this party is a le center left. I would say, right, Rivka, center left. I think Lapid is center left. Uh, He's definitely so centrist. Centrist, right? Um, but again, the centrist, most powerful but party. Bennett, Bennett yeah. is more right-ish. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, so we have Bennett, it, Bennett's party, which is the Yemeni party, 
is far right, um, is more right leaning than Likud, if you can believe that. Um, so the, mo the most important parties right now in Israel as we speak, which changes very fast. So I don't know, like next week, maybe the most powerful parties are going to switch completely based on the way politics in Israel works. But right now, the most uh, three powerful parties, uh, number one is Likud. Even though Likud is not in the government, they're still the most powerful party because they have like 30 seats out of the 120 seat in, uh, in Knesset. Um, but the other powerful party with only six or seven seats is the Yemeni party. Even though they have only six or seven seats, the fact that they are their prime minister is now from that party makes them as the most one of the most important parties right now. And then the third most important party right now is the Lapid party because it's the biggest party in the current government of um israel right so this is part of the coalition government and they apparently they're in charge of the foreign ministry right and i mean this is a, i don't know if netanyahu yeah netanyahu is not going to go anti-lgbt and call this out like that would be too far that would be like something that yeah so if i think netanyahu would love to be able to come and say like see this is what you get without me you get like left-leaning people like ruling your government but i don't think he might i i Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he's going to come and say anything against the pride flag. I don't think that Netanyahu's international image in Western countries is very important for him. So even though he wanted to portray himself as right-leaning, he wouldn't go as far as like calling something like this out, right? But I really like the current coalition. You know, I, even though the Yemeni party is now the, the Bennett, Bennett, which is, comes from the far-right party in Israel, is now the prime minister, Um it is a coalition that is very anti, has been very against the ultra-orthodox parties, right? So this far right doesn't mean pro-ultra-orthodox, right? The ultra-orthodox right group of people in Israel have lost significantly in this in this in the building of this coalition, and they they have lost a lot of influence, which is beautiful. But they might come back. Um, and Netanyahu might use them as a way to make his opposition against this coalition stronger, and they come back. But I like, while they're like out of power, I really like the fact that this coalition is normalizing things that the ultra-Orthodox groups hate, because setting up new norms, like it's one thing for Israel to have pride parades and the gay flag everywhere and this being allowed, but putting up in the foreign ministry as a way to demonstrate to signal to the world that this is what we stand for is setting up a new norm that is going to be harder for ultra orthodox to fight back against normalization once you set a new president once you get put once you plant this flag in a place where it wasn't before removing it would be something that requires more political capital right so undoing this by the ultra orthodox undoing this normalization will be very difficult. So I don't know. This coalition is a very fragile coalition, but I, while it's in power, normalizing certain things like this, I like that, okay? Um, also normalizing and giving Arabs a voice in their government, that's also something that I'm like, uh, I enjoy seeing that it's become normalized. Even though they're an Islamist group, I know, I know they're Muslim Brotherhood. I do still think like normalizing Arabs having a seat at the table is a very uh, good thing. Um, and also, I understand that a lot of people could consider this uh, pinkwashing and Lapid, even though they're not a far-right uh, government, they are, when it comes to Likud, um, you know, Lapid or um, 
when it comes to Bennett uh, or Lapid or Netanyahu, all of them, when it comes to the foreign policy, when it comes to the Palestinians and Iran or anything, they don't disagree on almost anything, right? So if you have any issues with Israel's policies um, when it comes to uh, settlements in the West Bank, which I am against, uh, or some other policies that uh, we are against, um, there is no disagreements between any of these parties, um, ex you know, so you could criticize that and I'm and I want to make sure that we will continue to criticize like settlements in the West Bank, for example. Like this is not going to distract us away from criticizing even Lapid, which is like a center uh, left government. Uh, we got if they're when the fact that they're for West settlements like this is not going to distract us away from criticizing them for this from this position like i understand that governments use like sometimes bring it use might be using i don't know greenwashing or pinkwashing pinkwashing for people who don't know is a method to, that some people say that oh you you have like pure poor human rights record and you stand for LGBT rights to look more progressive, like progressive fall for this. And they say like, oh my God, this is a progressive government. And they ignore the fact that like, I don't know, a government might be doing human rights violations or doing something that is uh, criminal based on international law or stuff like that, right? Like, no, we're gonna be able to completely separate this and judge that independently. Um, even if this is a government, if this is a party that you don't support and you don't like, I think you could, the, celebrate the effect that this might have on normalizing um, gay rights uh, e completely separate from uh, and not let that get in the way of you objectively analyzing um, Lepid um, without letting this distract you from um, whether or not what they're doing elsewhere is right, right or wrong. Rifka, you want to say something? Actually, there are some differences though, I think that are kind of significant in terms of how all of them feel about the situation or have publicly expressed, let's put it that way, which in sometimes in Israel can just saying that you're for something or against something else can cause this massive outrage and engender all these other, you know, assumptions. So like, you know, I remember Naftali Bennett said something once about, I don't know if I could go against my conscience to dismantle settlement some some specific settlements. Correct, you know, Israelis correct me if I'm wrong if he about that, but he made some you know comment about, you know, the settlements his conscience wouldn't allow him or something like that. And then under in 2005 or 7 they dismantled a bunch of settlements and moved them out and they left Gaza. And, you know, so that happened under, you know, different government that so that wasn't necessarily either one of these guys. And then I know that Lapid had said some things about being a two state solution guy and no new settlements, but the ones maybe that are there. So there are some differences in how they're approaching these issues. And I've just noticed that sometimes in Israeli politics, it's very similar in, in some ways, not all, to Americans where just like you have to have a slogan or a narrative and that's it. And this is, you know, it's got to be this or that. And if you don't agree on A, then everything else must be wrong with what you're saying. So I just wanted to point that out. And yes, right. by all means, you know, it's should criticize things that, you know, are 
maybe there to be criticized, but I'm, I don't know if it'll last, but I'm hopeful. I mean, I don't want to be negative because it's unique in the entire region. So, you know, let's go more power to them. See if all of these people can work together to come to something that's a shared goals. Um, Suze, you want to say something? Oh, cause I have, say, okay. okay. Um, so yeah, actually, thank you so <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, thank you, Rivka, for that. There are some differences, um, but I should have been more clear. Based on even even if I have different views and stuff, it seems like there's not going to be any changes in the settlement policy under any of these compared to when Likud was in power. So maybe that's that's yeah. Okay, that would be a more accurate Very way. Well, of, who knows? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, this is everything. It's Israel. Anything can change within a week. Um, so just to provide some context for people, because the reason why I was saying Lapid is because um, the party that Lapid rules over is uh, Yeshatid. Okay, this is the one that I have the biggest problem with because his his name rhymes with the name of his party, and that's why it's confusing <laughs> to me. Okay, so Lapid is in charge of the Yeshatid party, uh, which is has. <laughs> How many seats? 20 seats, I think. 19 seats. I'm not sure. Uh, yep. I'm, yeah, I have it. Don't worry. Uh, 19 seats. Okay. And Bennett, so, and then again, the Yeshatit party is center left, I think. Bennett, which is the far right party, which is now the, uh, Bennett is in charge of the far right party, which is a Yemeni party. And that's, I think, has either six or seven seats. Um, and the Yemeni party is now, and B Bennett is now the prime minister, right? Um the, the three main parties in this coalition that is right now ruling over Israel uh, has also an Arab party for the first time in Israel's history, which is Arab parties have been part of the Knesset, which is the parliament of throughout Israel's history, but they've never been part of the coalition that forms the government. This is extremely historic because now for the first time we have an Arab party that is part of the coalition that forms the government. Um, and I forgot the name of the party, but the name of the leader of that party is also very confusing for people because his name is, is Mansour Abbas. And the reason why it confuses some people is because the head of the Palestinian party, which is Fatah, his name is Mahmoud Abbas. Okay. So people like Mansour Abbas is the head of the Islamic party in Israel that is now part of the coalition. Mahmoud Abbas is the guy that is the head of the Fatah party in the West Bank, okay? So don't confuse Mahmoud Abbas with Mansour Abbas, okay? And yes, the party that Mansour Abbas is now as part of Israel's government is a, it's a party that is Muslim, this is not just an Islamic group, it's a Muslim Brotherhood Islamic group, okay? So it would be accurate for you to say Muslim Brotherhood is partially ruling over Israel right now, <laughs> okay? That would be an accurate statement. However, don't panic. Because I do know that a lot of people use, again, Muslim Brotherhood as a way to, like, ooh, Muslim Brotherhood, okay? Please do understand that, yes, we could have an issue, we have issues with Muslim Brotherhood, but Muslim Brotherhood and Muslim Brotherhood in Israel and in, in Gaza and in Tunisia and in Egypt, they're not all the same, okay? This is a, this is a very base ideology that many different movements have come out of it. Some of it are a lot more radical than the other, okay? So, 
the Muslim Brotherhood in Tunisia is very different from Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, okay? And if you do want to stick in the Israeli area, Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza, you know what's Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza? is Hamas. Hamas is also based on Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, so Muslim Brotherhood in, in Gaza, which is Hamas, is very different from the Muslim Brotherhood of Mansur Abbas, okay? So just, if somebody just uses the phrase Muslim Brotherhood, don't think like they're all the same as each other, right? Uh, because... This is what people try to do to fearmonger, like, hey, this is Muslim Brotherhood. They have ties to Muslim Brotherhood. You know who else is Muslim Brotherhood? Hamas is Muslim Brotherhood. Oh, my God, they must be as bad as Hamas. It doesn't work like that. All right. Anybody want to add anything? I just wanted we... to say, Armin, um, Yeshatid means there is a future, so you can remember it that way. <laughs> but now I have to remember two things. I have to remember that party, the name and the party. <laughs> the, like, and I, I mean, he says, you know, he claims he's the secular center. You know, the centrist. I like that. Yes. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm being a little bit too pessimistic, um, but I'm because it's a fragile government. And I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to last. So I'm glad that Rivka is here to provide a bit of a more optimistic uh, take. So I appreciate that. Um, all right. Do we want to go to the next news? Uh, we have to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, can we clap? Let's clap. Uh, sure. Next news. Next news. The end of Atheist Republic news. Um, new incorrect YouTube strike. So on June 25th, Atheist Republic's YouTube channel received its first strike for allegedly violating the platform's hate speech policy. On the same day, we received notice that our reapplication to YouTube's monetization program was rejected. In this strike, YouTube flagged a video in which the AR news team, that would be us, um, discussed a story about an English woman who had been stripped of her citizenship as a result be, of joining. Be careful. Be careful. I know. Not to, yeah. no, as okay. a result I just of joining. Want to be a, very careful today. Okay, go ahead. As of the result of joining a radical group. This video did not violate any policies regarding promoting hate and was actually made to defend the right to due process. The result of YouTube's actions against our channel is that Atheist Republic can no longer cover the controversial stories that are most important for people to discuss openly and thoughtfully. These erroneous strikes and unsuccessful appeals highlight the importance of a human review of the penalization that Atheist Republic faces. So if you work at YouTube or know someone in your network who works at YouTube, please reach out to Atheist Republic's uh, CEO. That would be me via my email, Susanna at atheistrepublic.com. And Susanna is spelled S-U-S-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. Yeah, I have the email here in case any, that's the correct email, right? Yes. So please contact Susanna if you want to help us. I just wanted to be extra careful today because this thing has gone insane. Like, um, this is why I tell you people, to, I tell everybody that we need to be careful about the language we use and the things that we say because YouTube has gone so hypersensitive that we can't even report on the news on the things that are happening. Like we're not endorsing any of these things. We're just telling you what's happening, okay? And guys, 
the strike on this vi video but by the way this is why the reason why we're streaming right this this news right now on my personal channel because we have been blocked from from streaming on atheist republic on the on the main uh, atheist republic youtube channel that's why on youtube right now if you're watching this on youtube you're seeing it on my own personal armin navobi channel so please if you are if you are if you usually follow atheist republic on um on our atheist republic's youtube channel please follow my own personal channel as well so you get our streams link, link in the, is in the description but guys this video that we just got a strike for um was so not hate speech like it was the least hate speechy of all our videos the reason why i'm saying this was the least hate speechy of all our videos was because we were defending minority rights against the wishes of a lot of our audience. Like we were defending the human rights of a, of a Muslim woman against our audience. We were defending the fact that she should be able to maintain her citizenship, right? We were reporting, we were being less hateful towards this person than the UK government. The UK government was stripping away her citizenship and we were on the side of human rights and we were like, she should get punishment, but she shouldn't have her human rights. She shouldn't have her citizenship taken away from her. No matter how bad her crime is, she should she should come to UK and get judged and then get maybe prison sentence or whatever, but taking away someone's citizenship away from them is against human rights. This is, this is a video that was defending a Muslim woman and this was marked as hate speech. And then guys, we have a video showing the video to you on Twitch. Link is in the description. Link of this video is in the description. We went, we reviewed the video, right? So you can see me and Susanna here. We we like uh, went through the appeal process. We showed you the video. We covered it on uh, from beginning to end to show you what we said. If you don't believe that this was not hate speech, please take a look. And please look at how we went through the appeal process. We did this just a few hours ago, right? And within minutes, guys, look at this. Like we did this before the show, and within yeah. less than an hour, it was rejected. Yes, like it's already rejected, guys. When we submitted the appeal, okay, the time it took for them to reject it was not enough for them to watch the video. There is no way they went through an appeal process. Because we told them that this video was, it's impossible. Like, guys, we're not exaggerating. Like, if just judge, don't believe me. Look, look in the link in the description. It's at the very bottom of the description, okay? We go through the video. And by the way, the video is on Twitch. So when you're watching the video, uh, um, also follow us on Twitch. Watch the video. It's insane to think that video was hate speech. It's absolutely insane. This is a video of us defending a Muslim woman, defending my, a minority, a person that belongs to a minority group. We're defending her human rights. And we and it's marked as hate speech. We get a strike. We can't stream. We can't post videos. And then we appeal it. And the person that was going through the appeal process, is a, like they, they didn't review our case because they, there's no way they watch a 30-minute video because the appeal was rejected in five minutes, All right? Unless it's, 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 it's insane. And again, you can see the, this is the second strike that we got. The first strike that we got was also about something that we were fighting against misinformation about certain, you know, I'm not even going to say it. You could just read it on the screen. 
and YouTube assumed that we're spreading the misinformation. We were fighting against the misinformation. I'm not even going to read it because YouTube is so crazy that if I say those words, it might YouTube might think I'm not, I'm saying those things, right? So I'm not going to say it. But we were, we were some people, a group of people were spreading misinformation. We were reporting it. We were fighting against it, and we got a strike, claiming that we were doing the thing that what the news was happening in the news. We weren't doing the thing that was happening in the news. We were reporting the thing that was happening in the news. And then we appealed that. That was in June uh, 2021. And this one is in June 20. Oh, no. They're all. Wait. This, how is this possible? Yeah, I don't think this date is right. I don't know. No, it happened in March. Yeah, this is wrong. I don't know. So, um, but that one was also rejected immediately, okay? And now, and guys, we can't even post in our community tab. So we can't even tell our followers on Atheist Republic what's happening and where we are right now. So we just can't do anything on our uh, Atheist Republic main account. And they're, they completely cut access to our audience to even tell them what's happening and where we are at. This is why you guys need to subscribe to our newsletter, by the way. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Link in the description because they could cut us off from here and we have no access to you. So please make sure you're you're subscribed to our newsletter because we are, we are considering like right now we're not talking about anything with regards to again the first strike that we got like that topic is not going to be covered anymore because this is how, the insanity like we're not we can't even fight against conspiracy theories because YouTube is going to think like we're we're saying them right and now this these radical groups anything that is about these radical groups we're not going to cover that anymore as well because. Just reporting the news makes it seem like we're doing hate speech, apparently. Okay, so we're going to stay away from talking about radical groups, and um, soon maybe we're not going to even touch on anything LGBT related. At some point, if we if we get close to getting so many strikes like this, we might even completely cancel the news segment and just do like talk about ideas and history and mythology and religion because this like we're YouTube is suffocating us. It's suffocating us. Like the, the areas that we could talk about is like, and by the way, this is because we're a small, like some people are like, oh, I mean, how could this be possible? These channels don't talk about it and it doesn't happen, anything, nothing happens to them. Well, bigger channels get, it's easier for them to appeal these things because they get a lot more attention from YouTube, right? We're not a big channel. So our appeals is not taken seriously. The, guys, Please, please, please watch the video of me, like on Twitch, link in the description at the very bottom of me and Susanna going through the appeal process and watching the video and doing the appeal process. Please watch the video because if this, I'm, I'm, I told Susanna in that video, maybe I'm so biased that I'm actually promoting hate speech and I don't know. Like, guys, go look at this video. If this is hate speech, please tell me. Maybe I'm so biased. Maybe I'm so blind to what promoting hate speech is, I am, I, uh, I am even ready to be so skeptical to consider the fact that maybe I am so blind and so internally biased that I'm, not, that I'm promoting hate speech that I, I'm ready to completely be, you know, reevaluate my entire thought process if somebody could show me how that was hate speech. Somebody please look at this video and tell me how it's hate speech. And if it's not hate speech, please find us somebody on YouTube. And again, email Susanna. I posted a link to Susanna's email again. Um, where is it? Here. In the live chat, okay? Please, if you, guys, 
a lot of we don't need advice we know the advice we here's the advice we need a contact in youtube don't tell us like a lot of people think like oh do this do this you guys don't know how youtube works okay we know that the only thing the only thing that could help us right now is a contact in youtube and also you subscribing to our newsletter in the description okay we need so subscribe to our newsletter so we don't lose touch from you but also please if you know somebody from youtube that could we don't even need to, them to be biased for us any objective review of these videos could see that these strikes are unjustified. Any object, anybody that spends even five minutes looking at what's happening here can see that our demonetization was completely unjustified and these strikes are completely unjustified. Please get us a contact on YouTube. Rivka, you had your hand up. I was going to say, I think part of it feels like to me, and it sounds like you're expressing some of the same frustration, is that we can't even know what it is the definition of hate speech is according to them in order to know whether we've supposedly done it because it's so amorphous it seems like to me every time well, it's happened it just seems like it's this almost amorphous thing that it that the goalposts shift all the time and you don't know there's no, no way to know and there's no way to not engage in it at some point if you talk about anything is what I'm trying to say from the impression that it feels like from all of this, that there, there doesn't seem to be an actual definition that anyone can tell you. Well, that's what's so frustrating is that there is a very specific definition on their website. I reviewed this very thoroughly. Like I last night, I have seven paragraphs written about this whole situation like picking through this like lore i made a six page document about this one night because it they give very clear examples of ex of what they consider hate speech and all of those examples are explicitly explicitly talking about the superiority or inferiority of various groups on the basis of identity categories that are totally defined by YouTube. The thing is, and I have no problem with that policy. I have a problem with the enforcement. I think that's what you're getting at Rivka. That is, is what I'm getting at. They, yeah. yeah. They have this definition, but yet it doesn't feel like when they act on it, that there is a definition or that, the definition just changes based on whomever is looking at the the particular post. But yes, it's exactly what I'm getting at. Right, I'm sorry, not a sorry, guys. This is not a definition issue, okay? Um, be because this is not at all a definition issue. There is, if you actually guys watch the video, link in the description. Me and Susanna go. There is absolutely no definition. Like even the most leftist. I mean. I'm telling you, even the wokiest of all woke people, if they watch this video, they were like, what the, this, they can see that not only this is not hate speech, this is the exact opposite of anything that could be considered hate speech. This is a promoting the rights of a minority group of people, like a, a Muslim woman, okay? This is like, the, a, like, this is something that anybody who want, likes hate speech, the people who actually do hate speech, hates the video that we made. This is a video that will make anybody that does hate speech, if they watch my opinions on that video, will make them extremely angry. Like, this is not about, like, oh, maybe it's because YouTube's definition of hate speech is different. No, anybody on YouTube, 
if they actually have a human, not an algorithm, anybody, anybody on YouTube looking, actually, we don't want to have people think like, oh, they're biased against us. No, they're not biased against us. They haven't looked at our videos. I'm telling you, even the most aggressive standards against hate speech, even with the people with the most aggressive standards against hate speech, if they just spend a few minutes watching this, there is no way they would consider this hate speech. Nobody is biased against this. They're just not spending any time looking at this, okay? And also, I want to mention a bunch of other things. People are mentioning lawsuits in the live chat. Guys, this is, is I'm telling you, anything, any of the solutions that you're offering it's it's not not gonna work. I'm I'm not gonna get into details of why that's not gonna work. We need to contact in YouTube. That's the only solution. Don't tell, like this is not a this is not gonna be a winning lawsuit or anything like that. You guys are completely like off track of what what YouTube can do. This is not lawsuit related. Like they're like people are like oh we're losing revenue, uh, so this could be lawsuit related. No, there there's no agreement in YouTube that makes them guarantee us a revenue. Like they don't have. This is not about us suing them for doing this to uh, do us. I'm telling you, based on YouTube's own standards, if anyone their, of their staff actually looks at this, these strikes will be removed. Don't tell us, oh, YouTube is doing something wrong. No, YouTube is not doing anything. They're not even looking at our videos, okay? So don't tell me lawsuit. Just get somebody get somebody to just look at these videos. And there are other people who are saying that, oh, this happened to other channels and it happened to this channel. No, it does. It hasn't. Like, what you guys are describing is one video getting demonetized or this video people like you guys are comparing this to other other like i'm telling you what's the way our channel is being treated i follow a lot of other people's complaints about youtube no channel is being treated the way our channel is being treated you guys are comparing these strikes on our channel on people on other youtubers complaining about being demonetized on one or on some of their videos this is completely different okay we would it would be our dream if we get 90% of our videos demonetized. Because if 90% of our videos are being demonetized, that means our channel is monetized and that we don't have strikes. Our entire channel has been demonetized. It's for, okay, so here are the different levels for the people who don't understand how YouTube works, okay? Usually when you get some complaints from other YouTubers, they're like, oh, I'm not going to cover this topic because this topic gets demonetized. We don't, that's not our problem. The second level up after that, like, you, let's say, like, for example, your channel is monetized, but certain topics get demonetized. That happens to everybody. We're not complaining about that. Okay. Every, uh, uh, that's usually the complaint that you get from YouTubers. There, the YouTubers that are complaining about that, they're so spoiled because we're at the end of this. And I'm going to go. So that's level one. Level one is so mild and happens to everybody. Level two is, our entire channel was completely demonetized for hateful conduct, okay? So it's not certain videos on Atheist Republic that is demonetized. Our entire channel has completely been demonetized because our channel has been, been um, considered to be a promoter of hate speech. That's level two, okay? Level, we're not at level two. Atheist Republic is not at level two. We're at level three. We're getting our second strike. This means like you can't even stream. You can't even upload. You can't even post anything on your community tab, okay? This is this is like, oh, and we're about to completely delete your channel. So don't go like, oh, yeah, it happened to other YouTube. No, it hasn't. Show me the other channels that are being treated like this. The ones that don't actually promote hate speech. Me and Susanna watch some right-leaning channels, and they're extremely racist. And I'm like, and they're complete. not only, they're completely monetized. Not only they do not have strikes, they have join buttons next to them. And they're saying things that are absolutely outright racist. And I'm like, how are these channels monetized? We are a channel that is fighting against racism and hate speech, 
and we're being struck by like we're getting strikes that says that we're promoting hate speech and there are these channels that are promoting hate speech and they have a million subscribers and they're getting hundreds of thousands of views on each one of their videos and they have join buttons like in our faces right there and like they're not only they don't have strikes they have mod they're fully monetized how is this even possible why are we being treated like this we're an anti-hate speech channel we're the channel that goes against islam while promoting the human rights of muslims we have been fighting for the human rights of muslims more than most islamic channels this atheist channel that you're watching has been supporting muslim rights while fighting islam more than the average islamic channel go look at the islamic channel which islamic channels goes after the rights of muslims in india and muslims in china and the yemeni people which muslim channel supports the rights more than us like we where is the hate speech where the hell is the hate speech show me the hate speech i mean show, go guys this is the video please please go watch that video link is, is link is in the description please go watch it and tell me because guys if this video actually promotes hate speech we have a bigger issue okay because that means that i am my mind is completely broken like forget the channel i have to go question everything that my understanding of how that everything works like i i have a, I must have a crisis of a like internal crisis of logic if if I'm actually promoting hate speech without knowing it like I have a bigger problem than not being able to stream on atheist republic I have to think like my mind is broken like you guys have to show me that I'm promoting hate speech so I know how flawed my methodology of coming up with conclusions are anyways Susanna no oh. um I mean I don't know I I just want to talk about like how discouraging this is like um we work really hard on this show like there are so many more people besides just me armin and rivka who work on this show so many people come together in our community to make this happen and it's really heartbreaking to me that we have to honestly consider just like ending our biggest show that is a huge draw for a lot and really enjoyed by a lot of our community. Um, because we're just being strangled for reasons we don't understand. Um, and it obviously disincentivizes us from talking about stuff that's really important for us to talk about um and discourages other people from getting involved in speaking out about things that they think are wrong on issues that they think that are important and um yeah i it's a it's a really big bummer for me Right. I, by the way, guys, I, this video that you're watching is me and Susanna just going through the video and watching it to see maybe if we covered if we had hate speech. Um, so I just went and right now I went into the description and I added the link to that video. Please go watch it uh, and tell us how is this hate speech. Um, again, I'm link posting the link one more time in the live chat. Um, go while you're there because this is videos on Twitch. Uh, please follow us on Twitch. We didn't do put this video on YouTube because obviously we might get another strike. So just go look at it and tell us how is this hate speech. And again, while while you're in the description, please subscribe to our newsletter as well. Um, 
it's important for us to be able to have some audience if 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 our entire all of our platform gets completely new uh, the newsletter is where we're going to be staying in touch with you so please stay there and one more time again please please email susanna um you saw her email susanna at uh, acesrepublic.com um i will put it again if you have any contacts guys the, again there's no other solution there's no other solution other than finding somebody on YouTube that actually takes a look at this, okay? We're, we're not even against YouTube's community guidelines, okay? We're, YouTube community guidelines, it needs to be there to make the public safe based on their own terms, based on their own rules. If you actually look at what we're doing, we're doing the opposite of what we're being accused of, okay? So again, one more time, it's, this is Susanna's email. Please email her if you have a contact at ACES Republic. Based on the examples that they gave on their own website of violations of their hateful con uh, hate, hate speech policy, we... Don't even talk about her protected characteristics. Yeah. Like, we don't even talk about the groups that she's a part of that could be subject to harmful speech. We don't, like, that's not even the focus of what we're talking about. We're just discussing the law. We're just discussing the law. Yeah, we're talking the about the law. Yeah, we're just talking about whether certain, certain laws are justified or not. We're not even... We, we didn't even talk about a group of people. Like, we didn't even mention any group of people. And if you think that individual was being used as an excuse to about a group of people, well, then we were defending her. So we were defending... Like, if you think, like, we were doing a dog whistle by mentioning a group of people by using an individual, well, that group of people, if that's what we were doing, then the dog whistle was us protecting her. Then we were protecting that identity group, then, I guess. So how is it hate speech? God damn it. Like, what, how, like, guys, why are you, why is it making it so difficult? We just want to build an audience and talk, build a community. We don't even need a large community. We're okay where we're at. Just, just let us have this. We are just making an environment where we could share ideas with certain people, but you're making it so difficult. Like, we're trying. We're, we're not even uh, complaining against your rules. We're like, okay, these are. This is your house. This is your platform. These are your rules. We want to abide by the rules, but you're not letting us abide by the rules. We're doing the things that are completely in line with the rules. In fact, it seems like to be in line with promoting the things that you are for. And you, we're, we're getting strikes. Like you're not welcoming us again. It's because we're not that big of a channel. Or most bigger channels know somebody like because here's another thing is about bigger channels is because they have a giant audience. If something bad happens to them, there's somebody like even when they get a strike, okay, because they're a big channel, there's somebody in their audience that knows somebody that knows somebody that works at YouTube, okay. So when we appeal to, that's why they manage to undo. Like yes, bigger channels sometimes get strikes. But somehow they managed to remove it. Somehow somebody at YouTube looks at it. If it was unjustified, usually they get removed, okay? But because their audience is so big that when they mention this to their audience, the likelihood of somebody in the audience be working at YouTube or at least knowing somebody that works on YouTube is very high, right? So this is why we have to appeal to our audience a lot more by saying, like, please, if you know somebody, please reach out to us because that's the way to get out of this nonsense, right? Um, anyways, let me see. Oh, guys, please, guys, do not suggest for us to stream in other places. 
nowhere can we build like guys we, if we start from scratch we will never get to come to to the place we are at you guys have no idea what goes into building a community okay you have no idea what work goes on to building a community especially now with the with the level of content out there if we start somewhere else from scratch like that's not a good suggestion guys i'm telling you guys if you think like you're suggesting something new we we have considered everything Okay, the only two things that is helpful right now is to subscribe to our newsletter and find the content on YouTube. Don't be like, oh, go to this place. Guys, nowhere can you build an audience like YouTube, okay, when it comes to long videos like this, okay? And even if you could, starting from scratch in this environment will never get us to the level that we are right now. That is not a suggestion. I'm telling you, if you think you have a suggestion, we have gone through everything. The only thing right now we need is for us to find a contact YouTube. There's no other way. There's no other way out of this. So we're like, oh, I mean, have you considered this? Yes, we have considered all of it. There's no other way. So please just help us. No, guys, no, none of none of the no. I'm not even gonna. You're no, none of the things that some, none of the things that you're saying. Is distracting from the actual solution. Okay, you're like, oh, you maybe use this person, maybe do that person. There's, you're like, we have considered everything. You're distracting. I'm telling you, you're distracting from the actual solution. There's only two things that is important right now. Be subscribed to our newsletter. Please help us find a contact. Email Susanna if you have a contact at YouTube. Those are the only two suggestions that make sense. Anything else that you're suggesting, yes, we have considered it. We yes, but it's unreasonable. It's not going to help us get anywhere. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, there we go. Correct, Armin. YouTube is the big dog, you need to fight this, otherwise, it would be starting over. And that's that's is long call, yeah. All right, guys. Um, if somebody emails Susanna with an actual you know connection, and thank you so much, this you have no idea. And guys, this is monetize. This is also not one thing else I want to make it clear to everybody this is not about monetization, okay. We would be fine if our channel remains demonetized. As long as we get to keep the channel, I'm streamed there, okay? Thanks to our patrons, okay? Let me just tell you, I'm being very transparent with you guys, okay? Where, thanks to our patrons, we are at a place right now where we are financially secure, okay? You, wh whoever is our patron of the Atheist Republic, you guys are responsible for making us not have to worry about money, okay? So the fact that we are demonetized, we don't care. Okay, we don't. I mean, if we ever get monetized again, that's just bonus. Okay, that would be great. Okay, but we don't. It, it's it's it doesn't matter. Okay, we don't, we're not here to make unlimited money. Okay, um, the money that we're making from Patreon right now is enough to keep this keep us above water. So if you're a Patreon, you're responsible for us not having to worry about um, the fact that we're demonetized. And thank you so much for that. Okay. So, but we want to just be able to have be in touch with you guys, okay? We want to just keep our audience, okay? So even guys, here, let me tell you this: we are even if our entire channel gets nuked and we lost lose every of our platform, right? We're because we have of our Patreon and your support, we will still be able to survive and continue. But we just want to be able to talk to you guys and be in touch with you guys and stream to you guys. This is not about us. You know, this is not about uh, trying to remain financially viable. We're just emotionally attached to you guys, okay? <laughs> we just want to be able to stream and talk to you guys and create content for you guys, okay? So 
keep us if if YouTube want to keep us demonetized, keep us demonetized. It's fine. Just just let us stream. Just let us talk to our people. All right. Anyways, I'm gonna end. Um, yeah, AJ is saying thank you, patrons. Your support is very much appreciated. Yes, thank you, guys. And again, guys, honestly, like I know this goes us against marketing. Like any more patron on this is just bonus. Okay, like. I'm not going to act like, oh, guys, become patrons because if you don't become patrons, we're going to go bankrupt. Right now, the patron level is at a place where we're stable. I'm just being fully transparent with you. So any new patrons is not a patron that we need. Any patron is if any new patron is a patron that is just let us do more things, okay? So I'm being very transparent. Even with the demonetization, the patron level, we're already at a place where we're feeling very secure. We just want to be able to keep our audience, okay? Okay, Susan, do you want to add anything before I go? <laughs> um, not really. Oh, <laughs> blank name is saying, oh, Armin admitting he loves this. <laughs> All right. Um, Susanna is very uh, demotivated because she works a lot. She Okay, guys, I have to say something else, okay? Susanna puts a lot of work in Atheist Republic. Oh, I'm sorry, Susan. And she feels very, oh... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And this is just very demotivating for, for this to be the result of all her work. You have no idea what she does behind the scenes, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. So, like, guys, you, you have no idea the amount of work, the amount of organization, the amount of love that she puts in the writing and managing putting our legal you know financial legal staffing everything in order like sh she's a machine she's a machine and she doesn't get a lot of recognition like i'm the only one that tells her how amazing her work is because nobody else sees what she's doing like you have no idea how efficient this woman is and how much work she puts in it like i i go to sleep and i wake up and she has like nine pages of detailed like when it comes to the strike you guys have to see the document that she has created and what we need to do to fight this to go against the fight against the strike like the level of organization and detail and planning i'm like is this like a work of like a week and she's like no i did this in one evening like but it's 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 insane like i don't know i think like sometimes she's like yeah she there might be like 10 susannas behind that camera that, that she's hiding nine of them but but it's but then when when youtube comes and says like i don't know you you don't get to stream you, that you are for hate speech like you guys like tells us that we are promoting hate speech if where our entire channel is built around exactly the opposite of that like our entire agenda is to fight hate our, our agenda is to show even our side our side, how you could be extremely anti-religion while loving religious people. Like, we are not just fighting against religion. We're also fighting, we're also trying to normalize being on the side of religious people in our own camp while fighting religion. Like, we're fighting hate on all sides. We're fighting hate on our own camp. This is a channel dedicated to also stop the hate from atheists against religious people. This is what our goal is, anti-hate. And we are so passionate about this goal. We are so driven in promoting less hate. And then not only 
we are told that you don't get to get, make more content, that you don't get to stream. The reasoning for that is that you are promoting hate. Like, what? That's such a blow. To, like, how insulting is that? But this is how YouTube is encouraging its content creators. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm sorry, Suze. I didn't mean to make you cry. No, that's okay. I'm sorry for getting teary. Uh, I'm a little emotionally exhausted from this. And also, getting that public recognition just makes me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Even if there were different circumstances, that would still make me emotional. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thank you. Um, by the way, Suze, a lot of people are giving you a lot of love. Oh, I know. Thank you, live chat. You guys are so nice. Oh, this is the best thing I could hear right now, actually. Blank name <laughs> is saying, I used to hold bigoted views against religious people. You guys have shown me that I can hate religion without hating people. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I needed to hear that so badly. Oh, thank you, Blank. It means a lot. Yeah, we needed that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was very sweet. All right, guys, wish we could stay. Thank you so much for all the support. Um, mm -hmm. And again, please email Susanna one more time, Susanna at atheistrepublic.com. Um, again, one more time. If you have any contacts, here's her email one more time. Let me just highlight it one last time. Please, if you have any contacts, email her. And again, subscribe to our newsletter, link in the description. And thank you so much for all your support. All right, guys, bye. Bye.